shit. Good morning, Vietnam! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Drunken Fan Podcast. I gotta say, first of all, it's great to live out my dream of actually saying good morning, Vietnam into a microphone where other people are gonna listen to it, so... Guess who's back? Thank you so much for allowing me to do that. Back again. It's great to be back. Drunken Fan's back. Tell a friend... Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Like, it's good to be back, man. Like, I'm telling you. It's, and we've missed a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. we. I don't think we were planning on this actually <laughs> actually being as much of a break as it was. No. I, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's one of those things where it's... Uh, I think that we took a little bit too long of a break than we probably initially should have. But at the same time, thank God that we did because now it's not like... We're not searching for things to talk about. I know, yeah. We went we went from, oh, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing, to now it's like, oh. Like, holy shit, hopefully we can keep this under three hours. Just all the things that we need to kind of talk about. <laughs> Everything that's been going on in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Yeah, we, we better. I got to work tomorrow. Well, it's well. first of all, let's just say thank you guys so much for those of you who are listening to the episode right now. I know it's been a while. And we're still kind of getting the whole hang of this, just trying to figure out when we're going to do episodes and not. So hopefully, going forward, we can do episodes a little bit more consistently. But it's been a while since I could listen to the drunken fan. This is why we don't go a whole long time <laughs> without recording. Now it's just uh, now it's just getting weird. So yeah, brother. How have you been, buddy? I've been good. Yeah, been, yeah. been good and weird. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Clearly. I don't just. I don't just get weird for the podcast. I stay no, weird. You're always weird. So, let's go ahead and uh, do you, like without further ado. Do you wanna? Do you wanna just kind of dive into things just so that way we can get going? Well, I'm gonna go ahead and give the spiel right now, right out of the, right out of the gate. You got the wrong attitude right out of the gate. <laughs> I'm over here, asshole. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, anyway, uh, so the, the spiel is, if you like what we're doing and you want to hear more of it, like and subscribe and share with your family and friends on your favorite podcast platforms. We're on Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, really anything. If you have any questions or you want to say, uh, hey, glad you're back uh, or whatever, you can email us at drunkenquestions at gmail.com or you can follow us on twitter.com. <laughs> God. At the drunken fan and the number one. Yes, yes. Not the letter one. No, the. It's like, oh, I, I man. searched for drunken fan I and I don't know. Because <laughs> that would be the letter one. All right. So, <laughs> do we have a furthest away listener? We do. I'm going no to. No fun facts about it, but. This is actually really... I, I was very impressed by the fact that they, we have a listener. It is... Uh, multiple listeners, isn't it? Well, I, it's either multiple listeners like in the same area or one person listened to multiple episodes. But where is it? It is... Hang on, I'm trying to find the exact... Exact Amundo place I am... Oh, 
stalling for time because my phone <laughs> doesn't want to listen to me. It's. Uh... <laughs> oh, I hope you edit this later. Nope. <laughs> Okay, well, it's India. Yes, uh, India. Thank you so much. Like for those of you who are listening to India, I'm sorry, our Finnish listeners, you have been trumped. Yes. You have you have been ousted, and you are no longer the furthest away listener. But you could still be more consistent. Yes. You could be the more consistent listener. So between India and Finland, let's see who listens more often. It was actually pretty close between uh, this um, province in india i don't i can't i'm drawing a blank on the name i looked it up and i looked up a like a fun fact and the, the fun fact about this place is that it's got a whole lot of temples uh the names of which i'm not even gonna try yeah, i'm sorry india like, we, like we are still american and we apologize so much for not being able to there's give you the credit but. Ooh, ooh, no i i you want i wish i could i are way smarter than we are like seriously the russian alphabet has like 46 letters in it and it's and we're just like little peons to russia and india and all of them whenever it comes to how to yeah properly pronounce things like it's just it, yeah it's like, like especially like you want to compare us to russia like we only have one word for potato so lame yeah well thank you so much india and anyone else who listened while we went on our little hiatus and uh hopefully we can kind of get back into the swing of things and we will i promise but uh what i was gonna say it was actually a pretty close race uh to see who would be the furthest away because we did also have a listener in auckland new zealand oh dude auckland new zealand one of my favorite wrestlers out there is dakota kai and she is from Auckland, New Zealand. So, Auckland, love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Those Aussies can suck it. Rugby town. Fucking A right. So, uh, anyway, so anyway, it was, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. So, thank you, India, New Zealand, Finland, America, Canada, whoever else is listening. Thank you so much. And, uh, thank we'll you, go, world. We will go ahead and get started. We'll stop stalling for time. But, Let's go ahead and just start this, uh, get this kicked off with again with talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Yes, sir. Which, I mean, right now, I I kind of like where the direction the Dallas Cowboys are heading. I mean, they they have made so many splashes in free agency that I didn't even think that they would make. I figured that, especially with Mike McCarthy being the coach, he's used to being under Ted Thompson, uh, under Green Bay, who never really made a lot of free agency splashes. The only ones coming off the top of my head were like Julius Peppers and um, I think that was it. That was like the biggest name that Mike McCarthy ever had in free agency whenever it came to being the Green Bay Packers head coach. And, and even then it was still like three years after he was as big as of a deal as he was. Yeah, I know. And so and now it's it, it, like the Cowboys are setting up very well, I think, for a really good season because, I mean, let's just go ahead and just address the biggest – elephant in the room i guess if you want to talk about that but we can talk about dak prescott's contract yes finally finally finally, finally. Cowboys, because i mean it was it was for the longest time we all thought that dak prescott was going to be whoa, franchise tech again. for the longest time longest oh yeah anyway you, you know how it goes yes so dak prescott does sign a deal finally and it is worth what's the deal What's the dealio? Uh, four years, $160 million, which 
you want to look at that and say that it's a lot of money and i mean yes but it averages out to 40 million a year which would make him the second highest paid quarterback which is about where we thought he should land to be honest well and it's 126 million guaranteed which i remember whenever aaron Rodgers signed his hundred million dollar contract that it was like holy crap like yeah that's a lot of money, and now 126 million guaranteed is still the largest in NFL history. But if you want to look at the ad, the the uh, the average annual value mm-hmm. to his contract, it is second to Patrick Mahomes. Well, that's that's the thing about like elite quarterback play, uh, and you you know you you can make the argument that Dak Prescott doesn't fall under that uh, that label, but you 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 would be wrong. Elite card. Uh, the the way the market works with quarterbacks specifically is elite quarterback play. If you, it doesn't really matter how big of a deal they sign within reason. If you get them for five years, by the end of their contract, it's a deal. You know, especially five years of their prime. Oh, whew. Like it's yeah, it's a yeah, deal. I know. It's I a mean, deal. It's, it's it's not even like that. Dak Prescott's this aging quarterback that no. Is, what is he? Twenty four. Yeah, like nothing. You know, it's and so he. We've been talking about like it's so funny because everyone wants to sit there and they want to talk about how it's like oh well you got to pay Dak you got to pay Dak then they pay Dak and everyone goes whoa you paid him way too much money how dare you give him that much money he hasn't done anything to deserve that money and I know I was one of those first people that kind of said that and like whenever you really break down his numbers it's really not that bad because as you kind of put it whenever we first started talking about it is that the market is changing. Well, the market is always, always, always growing when it comes to quarterbacks <clears throat> and at an exponential rate. Like you mentioned the Aaron Rodgers deal where he first signed a hundred million dollars. You know, that was, that was, it feels like a long time ago, but what was that? Five years ago? Yeah. It, I mean, it really was, you know, it, so, it's, it's, it's just, it's just insane to kind of look at things and like, let's just first thing, just right out of the gate is just like good for Dak. Yes. Because the money that he is getting, he has definitely earned. I think that he's put up with enough shit in his life. I think that he has been more loyal to the Cowboys organization than any Cowboys fan ever has been. And more loyal than the Cowboys deserved, really. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's no way that, uh, there's no way that, uh, Dak Prescott should have stuck it out as long as he has. Like, I mean, it's, it's just, the way that he has been treated, and it's, I wonder, I really do wonder if he doesn't break his leg and dislocates his ankle this season, does he get this deal? Because I think that, I, I like that. It like, just showed. This injury might be the best thing that ever happened to Dak Prescott. Whether his play whether ever, his playing career ever kind of recovers yeah. is irrelevant at this point because he has earned this money. Which, and I think that, I think that. I think it made a lot of people sympathetic to him because it's mm-hmm. like, look, even before he got hurt, we were all looking at this saying, like, franchise tagging this guy is wrong. It's wrong. And and now it's, like, really brought it to the surface how wrong it is. And I think that this injury got him paid. And the way that he's able to recover and mm-hmm. the rehab uh, updates that we've all gotten, yeah. how strong he looks right now. <clears throat> yeah, oh, yeah. Of course, he's oh, earned yeah. this money. And, well, and another thing is it just showed the disparity between his level of play and what a lot of people were saying was the best backup quarterback in the league, which 
was proven wrong. Uh, yeah, I know. And but going into the season, the Chicago thinking. Going, first of all. Yeah, I know. Go ahead and just move past that. But <laughs> what the fuck? All right, go on. There's Chicago. Yeah. Uh, oh my god, dude. Like <laughs> Jay Cutler is still their best quarterback of all time. Dude, of all time, I love Jay Cutler. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> what's not to love? What's not? All right. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, it just it just when he went down, and yeah, there were a lot of other injuries, but when he went down, and the wheels just fell off of the season couldn't beat anybody it just showed how important Dak is and really how elite his level of play is if if you go down and you've got a backup quarterback who has you know been in the playoffs won playoff games and you can't beat anybody Especially in the division that they found themselves. Yes. So it's, yeah. it's, like it's, just, it's just so hard. And I, you know who I think is going to be the most happiest? The happiest about this is Ezekiel Elliott. Yes. I really do because I think that... It takes a lot of pressure it off does, him. It does. And, and I think that any... It, and it also goes to show you that the quarterback is the offense it is the offense like that position in today's league right yeah. now in today's league it, like if you don't have a quarterback it doesn't matter how good your running back is you're not going to be able to compete <clears throat> and now i think that the cowboys have opened that door drastically because i don't give a shit about ryan fitzpatrick like i really don't just because ryan fitzpatrick has signed with the washington football team who truly is the greatest backup probably to ever play the game yeah like if you want to like i know that you want to look at tony romo and you want to look at tom brady and like all of these like traditional backups that eventually became a starter yes you can obviously kind of label them as the greatest backups ever but like ryan ryan fitzpatrick has made a legitimate career out of out of being an option that you can threaten your young quarterback with with you, you got hey, we got Fitz Magic on the sideline. Like, pick it up. I wish that Ryan Fitzpatrick would have signed with the Patriots. That way, he would have played with every single team that is that is currently in the NFC or the AFC East. Yeah, he is. He would have played with everyone, and I think that he's a better solution than Cam Newton. Yeah, I really do. But that's another topic here. But I just like if you want to break down all the other quarterbacks that are in the NFC East. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know where Jalen Hurts stands. Like, like we've seen what he can do, but we've never seen him under a full season. Then you've got Ryan Fitzpatrick in Washington, and then you've got uh, Daniel Jones. Yeah, Daniel Jones, who has yet to prove himself. Like, he's very he's injury been, prone. Like, he's good. He's, he's yeah, good. He's, he's he's been solid. He's been solid, but he's he's kind of like Ben Bishop. You know, like it's just like he looks good, but he, like can he stay healthy? Kind of thing. Dak Prescott. He has shown that he can be consistent, and other than his one major injury that he has had, like he is, he's very healthy and makes it through all of the like the entire season consistently. Mm-hmm. So, I, like I just think that that right there sets the Cowboys up for a solid, solid NFC East division championship next year. Yeah, and I like I there's just no two ways about it. I just don't see how anyone else could think anything other than that. So. Uh, and if you want to, like, other than Dak Prescott, which is a huge deal, you've also got the NFL draft coming up. So we've, we've kind of talked a little bit about different players that they may or may not draft. And we are both in agreement that uh, 
Patrick Sertan is the person that they should select at 10th overall, but there are a lot of rumors coming out. Not rumors, but there's, there's a lot of talk online that says that they need to draft a middle linebacker out of, you said, Penn State? Yeah. What is his name? Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons. So what we're going to do here is we're going to compare their pro num- like their pro day numbers because they haven't had the combine yet. But if you want to kind of compare their pro day numbers and see where we stand after that, then that's up to you. But we'll also kind of break that down a little more. So do you have the numbers in front of you? You ready to go? Yes, I do. Go ahead. So Micah Parsons comes in at a height and weight of six foot three inches, two hundred and forty-six pounds. As a beefy boy. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a beefy boy. That's a big dude. That's a that's a massive dude. Uh, did you want to go with? Uh, did you want to trade off or did you yeah, want to? Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So Patrick Sertan, his height is six foot two, mm-hmm. which uh, and two hundred and eight pounds, which is a big guy for for a cornerback. For a cornerback. Yeah. So, it's. I mean, it's just one of those things. That if you want to compare height and weight, I like. It, like they're both very even for the position that they play. So if you want to just break down height and weight, you want to talk about like where the Cowboys need the most help. It's still cornerback. Yes. So I, I still think that Patrick Sertan right now fits that mold. If you just want to talk about the size. Yes. Micah Parsons bench pressed two hundred twenty five pounds nineteen times. Patrick Sertan, 225 pounds, bench press 18 times. So you want to talk about a guy that's the got... strength is a cornerback. He's smaller, but almost as strong as a middle linebacker is. And I think that 19 times for a middle linebacker, 225 times, is very underwhelming, I think. I think that his strength is probably his biggest need with whenever it comes to... Uh, Micah, Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons, thank you. I think that he's not strong enough whenever it comes to being an NFL-ready linebacker. You've got to be bigger than that. You've got to be not bigger, but you've got to be stronger than that. So, But then also whenever you want to talk about Patrick Sertan and his 18 reps, that is very impressive for a cornerback. So I think that if you want to talk about that right there, I still lean with Sertan. Yes. Vertical for Micah Parsons is 34 inches, which is... For a big guy and a middle linebacker, you're not expecting someone to get up like that. I don't know if he's a middle linebacker. He's just listed as... Just a linebacker. Yeah, just a linebacker. Either way, like, you want to talk about Ray Lewis or Clay Matthews. Like, it's just... It doesn't matter. Like, inside, outside, it doesn't matter. But the vertical for Patrick Sertan is 39 inches. And that's what you want. That's That's what you want to see. That's a solid vertical leap. For, like from anyone, but especially a guy that is going to be playing cornerback and is going to go be probably going to eventually be going against the best receivers in the league. I mean, that's a that's a good vertical for a cornerback. Period. But when you talk, think about the fact that he's a two hundred and eight pound yeah. cornerback, who's as strong as he is. That's that's. I mean, I, once again, like we're still laying on Sertan. Uh, what's his forty time? Uh well the broad jump for oh, Parsons yeah I'm sorry broad jump ten six ten one for Sertan so I mean and see that I would go with uh I I, w- I wouldn't pick Sertan on that one like it just mm-hmm. because it's it's very impressive that just because I mean just because Sertan gets a ten foot one inch broad jump like it's and if you really want to break down the science of how like everything should work anything that deals with power you know your vertical jump your broad jump the the three cone exercise 
how quickly you can adapt. That's like the real thing that if you want to break it down scientifically and you want to talk about that, like those are going to tell you how good a player is going to be whenever it comes to their explosions. So there, it's what the, the level of athleticism is going to tell you. It, it, obviously, none of these tell you anything about their football oh, no, IQ, of but of course not. But, but the, the level of ath- athleticism they have to be able to put themselves in the right place. The vertical jump too. That's another one. Like anything that deals with power and explosion, like that's what you want to see. So mm-hmm. you're kind of making an argument there against Patrick Sertan, but. If you also kind of want to, like this, I don't think that this next stat is even really that fair because you can't compare to linebackers with cornerbacks whenever it comes to the 40-yard dash, but. Even still, you go first. Okay, you go first. Four points, 4.46 seconds in his 40 time for Patrick Sertan. Michael Parsons' 40 time is 4.39 seconds. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, it's so it, it's it's like. It's it's real easy to look at Sertan and think like, okay, well that's the easy one, that's the easy one, that's the easy one, and then you start getting into the broad jumps and the forty times for a guy that big and a guy that quick and that agile and the power that he has. It's very very hard to argue against that. But at the same time, before we started recording, you even said there's the better player and then there's the right player. Right, yeah. So where did the Cowboys like need the most help? And I think that it is at cornerback, free safety, strong safety. I don't think that their front in their defensive scheme it really needs a whole lot of help like the like the secondary and the cornerbacks do. So I think that while what's his name? I can't Micah Mike, Parsons. Like yeah. I know that Micah Parsons might be a little bit enticing. The Micah Parsons project. Oh, dude, I love that. That's good shit. So if they do select him, yes, that would be a good little hashtag or a good little nickname for the defense that maybe the Micah Parsons project. But I still think that you go with Patrick Sertan. I think so. I think Sertan helps you out more where you need to be helped. And that's basically what you were saying. It's just... When you get the 10th overall pick, a lot of people will just be clamoring for the best player that's available, but... I mean, if you think about it, the only reason the Cowboys have the 10th overall pick is because of injuries and most specifically to Dak Prescott. You know, if it weren't for that, they wouldn't be in the top 20, I don't think. Like, I think think they'd be a playoff team and they might have even won a playoff game. So, yeah, I think so. Because we were talking about even with Andy Dalton, like, it was still a possibility. Like, yeah, it absolutely was. And I think with this team and how good CeeDee Lamb has looked and mm-hmm. uh, really, honestly, how good Ezekiel Elliott looked, considering. Yeah. He's not – like, he didn't have a banner year, but considering just how much teams were targeting Ezekiel Elliott, like, I think that it's just one of those things that he still looked good with what he had in front of him. And then you've also got Amari Cooper and, like, the offense is set. Like, it looks really good. I know that... Um, the line the could line use was, some... Because didn't... One of the... Uh, wasn't there another lineman that retired this year? I don't remember. I can't, I can't remember. 2020 has been a... It was, been, it was, it, I know, and I'm sorry, but I know that I did see that it, it wasn't Zach Martin, but I know that there was a, a, an offensive lineman that is calling it quits this year. So it's just... 
It's going to really depend, but the majority of that, uh, the majority of that offensive line is going to still be intact. So, I, like, I think that this offense is set, and I don't think that you have to worry about adding too much to that. And I think getting Patrick Sertan in here, I just think that it's going to be one of those things that he's going to fill in what Byron Car uh, Crawford left whenever he, whenever he decided to not return to the Cowboys, and I don't blame him. You know, but it's just, it's it's one of those things that... You mean Byron Jones? Yeah, Byron Jones. What was I... Yeah, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Byron Crawford. Byron Crawford. That's a that's a guy that I made up. He's my best friend. So, um, if you want to, we can go ahead and wrap up the Dallas Cowboys here. You want to talk about their schedule? Yeah, I haven't looked at it. All right, so here's what we've got. I don't know if... They, they just they just approved a 17-game schedule, yes, by the way. Yes, they did. And they've got the Steelers on August 5th for the preseason, which is going to be exciting because that's going to be the Hall of Fame game. But here's their schedule real quick. It's the Giants, the Eagles, the Falcons, the Panthers, the Broncos, the Raiders. I mean, that is a solid beginning of the year for this team. I think that I could see this team going undefeated in that stretch because none of those teams really honestly have anything going for them. Then they've got the Cardinals after that, which... I mean, it, the Cardinals took care of business against the Cowboys without Dak Prescott, but I still think that the Cowboys could honestly make a better game out of it. And then uh, the next one that they have after that that's going to be really hard is they've got the Chiefs. The Chiefs. Who owned the Chiefs? And uh, Not the Cowboys. Yeah, definitely not. Then they've got the Chargers, the Vikings, then the Saints – which, I mean, without Drew Brees, we don't even know. And with everything that's going on with Deshaun Watson, like, there's no way that the Saints are going to look to try and get Deshaun Watson. I know that they signed Teddy Bridgewater, didn't they? No, that was a couple years ago. They've got Jameis Winston. Yeah, that's who it was, Jameis Winston. I mean, and I, eh, you know, yeah, he but... doesn't really scare me. Then, he, then you've got the Giants and the Eagles again. Then you've got Tampa Bay, mm -hmm. which Super Bowl champs, it is what it is. Then you've got Washington and Washington again after that, and then the Patriots. So it doesn't not, it not. doesn't look like that this is the set schedule on when they're going to play. All the dates are to be determined, but those are all their opponents. Yeah. That's a but, very favorable schedule for the Cowboys, I think. Yeah, Tampa Bay is not my champs, by the way. But <laughs> um, Yeah, they stole they stole I think, the I think Tom Brady's not my MVP. Tampa Bay is definitely the champs. I wish that they could have given the MVP to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. That's because that was the Super Bowl MVP. You just can't do that. So, anyway. Right. It's still not going to be an easy. So, like, the hardest games that it looks like that they have are going to be Kansas City, Tampa Bay, and that's it. All the rest of the games that they have on their schedule are very, very favorable for the Cowboys. Yeah. So, I guess what I'm saying is, is, let's all be chipper and let's all be excited about this Dallas Cowboys season because you've got your you've got your franchise quarterback now. You've got, you've got a top ten pick, which could have been a top five pick, but let's just it doesn't even matter because like it looks like they're gonna get the guy that they need or want anyway. Yeah, it's and then the, the schedule looks favorable. So, uh, welcome to the best time of the year to be a Cowboys fan is in the off season. I know and we'll be talking about it. We'll be talking about it later. We'll be talking about it later. Whenever it comes to, uh, 
like how good the Cowboys really are whenever it comes to the product on the field. But right now, it, like I like I don't see any reason to be pessimistic. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, you're right. I. You got anything else on the Cowboys? I do not. All right. Speaking of pessimism. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the Stars. We just got a chance to see them lose another game in overtime. Because that's the story of the year with this fucking team. But. 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 Go ahead. Like we were talking about before. There is still hope for this season. We just, but the see, time and the game just, tonight. Just them losing the game tonight. Just like, we you know, do this. Telling you, Cameron, we do this every time. I know. Just go on, go on. There is still hope for this season because of the way that it's planned. You can shake your head all you want. Uh, it's no, fine. there's not. No, there's not. No hope. No hope. Okay, whatever. <laughs> just go on, go on. There is still hope for this season. They just have to turn it around, and it's like unfair. Unfortunately, they haven't turned it around yet. But it's one of those teams. They are one of those teams. You look at them and you're like, there's just something is going on. Maybe it's the Stanley Cup slump or whatever, but there's something going on because they're playing well. They're just not winning the games. And I mean, you look at it and you all that matters. Right. I know. I know that's all that matters. I'm just saying it's not like they're they're playing horribly and losing the games and you think man this team's just not capable of turning the corner you look at them and and everything about the the thing that you watch on the on the on the ice for 60 minutes well okay for say 50 minutes you're like this team should turn the corner any any time now any time and then you know they have 10 minutes where they just can't get it done and and then they lo- end up losing in overtime so and that's been the story of the year this this year that's true but i mean the old adage is you know you need your best players to be your best players and the fact of the matter is for the most part the stars have not had their best players no i know and we we've talked about this a bunch but like they're really they are really missing i like the the main person they're missing right now is ben bishop I, that's that. I'm telling you, dude. I'd say the main person they're missing right now is Sagan. Well, and see, I think that. Uh, well, really, honestly, if you want to go with what's on the ice, they're yeah. missing Radulov. Like, wow, well, yeah. Like, oh, Radulov yeah. Radulov has been proven. Like every time he's on the ice, he's playing well. But see, I, like, there's something wrong with Anton Hudobin. There is something wrong with him, and I don't think it's a physical injury. I like it's got to be mental. There is something mentally going on with him because. If you want to look at, if you want to compare his and Jake Ottinger's numbers side by side, they're very close. And you want to, say, and we can sit there and we can talk about Jake Ottinger and be like, "What a great season that Jake Ottinger's had!" And he is for a rookie. For a rookie, yes. And, see, and that's the thing too is that you want to look at, like, if you want to compare numbers, and Anton Hudobin has better numbers than a rookie goaltender. Like that ain't right. That it ain't should, right. It should be, so it's, yeah. It, like Anton Hudobin had this incredible Stanley Cup Finals run. And got his money, and now he's not living up to his potential. And so this game tonight, like, Anton Hudobin was in net. They got him a lead going into the third period, and they can't hold it, which has been the story of this team all year long. Whenever it comes to... I mean, it's like it's been the story of this team for the last, like, ten years. Is that they, they, they get a lead, and you're never 
sure it's safe, or they get down big late, and you're going, well, it's done. Like, yeah. This team is not good enough to be able to win the games that they shouldn't win. You know what I mean? Like, like, like you look at a team like Tampa Bay and the defending Stanley Cup champs, and you look at it, and they're never out of the game. They are like you could be up three nothing on on the Tampa Bay Lightning, and you can look at it and say, "Well, it's still Tampa Bay." They're never out of it. If you look at the stars, the stars can go up three nothing, and people look at it and go, "Well, it's still the stars." They can still blow it. It could be worse. We could be Buffalo Sabres fans right now, and I understand that. All I want is a two-game winning streak. That's all I want because they haven't been able to do that since the first four games of the year. Whenever they went four and zero, and see, and it's so funny too because if you want to look back on that, I remember going into that four-nothing start to the season, and that next game after. The like after they ended up beating Detroit was Carolina, and I remember sitting there going like riding that high of that four game winning streak. They just kicked the shit out of Nashville, they kicked the shit out of Detroit, and now they're playing Carolina, a respected team in this division. And instantly Carolina goes up two nothing, and I remember seeing that and going, oh, how deflating. Because of course they beat Nashville seven to one. Of course they beat Detroit five nothing or whatever it was. But now here's your real test, and you lose to Carolina four to one in your first game against a real opponent. Yeah. And just just like right then, I just knew that this was going to be a very deflating year. Is it the most disappointing year in Stars history? Of course not, because the season isn't over. But even if they don't make the playoffs this year, it still won't be the most disappointing season in Stars history. But it'll be up there. And I like I know that there's still time to turn it around, but like you can't be dropping games against Nashville, especially whenever you have a lead going into the third period. They've done that already several times against Nashville too. They've got a lead, a big lead, a 3-1 lead going into the third period. 3-3 into overtime, and then they lose in a shootout. You know, and it's just... I think that you're right. I think that the biggest thing that they're missing are their big guns. Because, I mean, Hintz is playing great. Robertson is playing great. Haskinen is starting to play great. I know that the last time that we recorded, I was sitting there saying, like, oh, well, Haskinen needs to step up. Well, he's stepping up. Yeah, and Gryanov isn't showing up. He's not, he's he's not, not showing up, up yeah, he still but he's still playing. He's still he's not showing up on the on the scoreboard and necessarily. But fucking Pavelski is playing out of his he's got, mind. He's got 32 points. Insane. In- he's got that's insane. Eight power play goals. And Klingberg, <laughs> like, I'm telling you, Klingberg's racking up assists and playing great on defense like I'm telling you Jay yeah. Gottinger looks phenomenal in the in the net like for, just, for a rookie oh man that save he had well, on Palat and see that like we talked about that too oh. that save that he had on Palat that kept that game in hand right there like you don't see mediocre goaltenders getting saves like that when was the last time you saw Dobby get a save like that like you just don't like you see him making Stanley like, Cup. I mean, you see him making good like glove saves and stuff, but like those are like those are saves that the, are going to make the highlight reel. Dobby's Dobby's saves that you get where you're like, how did he make that save? Is more like he didn't see the puck at all and he just got as big as he could and it bounced off of him. Yeah, yeah. Ottinger's Ottinger's was 
yeah, it was a little bit of luck, but oh, there was so much skill in that. Good goaltenders put themselves in those positions. Right. I mean, you want to talk about Marc-Andre Fleury and making that Superman save that got Mike Babcock fired right. against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, yes, was that luck? Of course it was, but he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Same thing with Jake Ottinger. So, it, I, like, if you really do want to kind of Let's say that the Stars don't make the playoffs this year, and you want to say it's, and I want to say it's the second most disappointing season in Stars history, which I would say that. But at least you know that this team is set up very well for the future. Like, of course, that's what rebuilding teams say, and I understand that. But like, if you if you watch this team play on the ice, they do everything they, right. They look more like they look they, so good. They look more like this is not necessarily a rebuild, but a reload with I just a, with just a hiccup of a season. I really wish that I could give you a reason why I can't. I can't. Like if you want to, like I know that Colorado has experienced a bunch of injuries, but if you want to look at who has experienced the most man minutes lost, it's the Stars. Over a hundred man minutes lost in an entire season. And you want to also talk about, like, the delayed start to COVID. And then you also want to talk about the ice storm that kept them from having that homestand that really should have given them a lot of points. I mean, it's just... Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like, like it really, no pun intended, but it really has been the perfect storm, the perfect shit storm for this team to set them up to not succeed. Look at Minnesota right now. Yep. Minnesota is in the position where the Stars should have been in beforehand. Mm-hmm. They should have been in a much more favorable division than where they are now. Because, I mean, and I know that whenever we were talking about this, we were saying how favorable the division was. We didn't think Florida would be this good. We, we didn't think Chicago would be Chicago this good. didn't think Chicago would be this good. Nashville, <laughs> we didn't think that they would be as good as they have been this year. You know, like Soros yeah. really has stepped up his game and he has taken over that number one spot from Pecorine. Soros is where I think Jake Ottinger will be next year. I really do. Yep. I think that I think that it's gonna be a constant battle between those two guys as who's gonna be the best in the South. You know, it's just like this will be a fun thing that's gonna be great going forward. But right now it's just not looking pretty. It's not. And you know what? In the end, yes, they're losing overtime games to playoff teams, like teams in their division, not playoff teams, but teams in their division, but they're still getting that one point. So I'm trying to be optimistic here. I'm not trying to be a, a, a stereotypical Stars fan where it's like doom and gloom. I know that I have been in the past, and it's, 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 re- it's easy to love this team and hate this team because I am sick and tired of them blowing fucking leads against teams that they should fucking beat. I am tired of this. I am done making excuses for this team. They need to wake the fuck up. Jamie Benn needs to wake the fuck up, and they all need to start playing better. They do. But really, if you look at it, how much better can they play? They're just not getting good bounces. They're not getting the right... Like, they're not getting the right shots. They're not getting the right rebounds off of goaltenders. Like, it's just it's just been a season of just terrible luck. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just, I can't describe it. It's frustrating, it is. But at the same time, it, it's promising. So, I, like, I don't know how I should feel about it. Like, I, like, I really don't. I'm just... Everything, everything that I've done all year long is just make excuses for this team, and I'm tired of making excuses, but at the same time, like, you look at it and you go, I, like, the excuses are valid, so... <laughs> it's just, it's just, it's just... 
all of it is just emotionally frustrating. Yeah. Especially tonight watching them lose another game to the fucking Preds that they had in hand and they lose it in overtime. Like, I don't know what else it's, to tell you. Yeah, I mean, it's games like this, or teams like this, is really why there's there is a distinction between an excuse and a reason. You know, like... I don't hear any of them trying to make excuses. You know, no, I don't hear any of the stars or anybody else saying, you know, oh, well, we're just, we missed this guy, we missed this guy, and that's why we're not winning. You know, when you ask them why they're not winning, they're, they say, we're not scoring enough. And that really is, like, what it boils down to. They're getting the offensive opportunities, yeah. they're in the right place, and they're not finding the back of the net. Here's the, here's the but, yeah. but if you want to get down to it, the reason why, well, the reasons why they're not scoring enough is because they really, really are missing Sagan and Radulov. Because you got you have those two guys, the offensive combinations, because bonus likes to mix up the lines, those those combinations of lines that you can put together, good God. Not to mention the fact that they don't really use a money line all that often, but when they need offense, they do put Ben Sagan and Radulov on the same line, and it works every time. Yeah. And they it, it, that hasn't even been option. an option yeah. this yeah. year. So I know. And it just it just it just sucks because of what could have been. But the good news is is that it it's almost done. Like just it, like it, see here's what I'm afraid of mm-hmm. is that the stars are going to pull a Dallas Cowboys and they're gonna start playing well at the end of the year, but then just barely miss the playoffs. And it's just it, like they're gonna give us this little bit of hope. And then they're just gonna fucking yank the rug out from underneath us, and it's just that's and that's gonna be the perfect symbolism, symbology there. It's gonna be the perfect <laughs> symbolism of this season. Of they show up too little, too late. They just show up too little, too late. Like like that game against Tampa about two, three weeks ago, where they ended up tying it. Whenever the goalie was pulled, they scored two goals in the last couple of minutes whenever they had pulled Ottinger, and they scored six on five, mm-hmm. and then they lose it in overtime. Yeah. Like, it's, I'm afraid that that's what's going to happen. Sagan's going to come back. Radulov's going to come back. Bishop's going to come back. And then it's like they're going to start to catch their fire, but it's going to be too little too late. Yeah. Like, that's, that's quickly where this is going. And I really did believe tonight was going to be that first night where it's like, finally, a two-game winning streak. A two-game winning streak. That's all I want. And clearly that's not going to happen. Of course they get a point out of it, but that's just the Dallas Stars this year. Like they, they'll, they'll play a game, they'll look good, but they won't play well enough to get the full two points. They'll get one point, and then we'll sit there and we'll talk about until two, three days from now where it's time for them to play. It's like, well, at least they're getting points. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of sitting there talking about like, well, at least they're getting points. At least they're getting points. And I mean, maybe that will be whenever it comes time, whenever it comes, like whenever push comes to shove and the stars like are fighting for that last little playoff spot and maybe they get in there because of all the overtime games that they've lost. Right. 
Right. Yeah. And and we won't know until it comes time for that. But it's, well, they need to start turning it around now. That's the thing. That's the thing about treading water, though. And that's yeah. when you are missing your biggest players. That's what you really what you really want to do. The thing that is different about hockey versus like football or baseball or I don't know how the basketball playoff structure works, but uh, but football or baseball, like treading water, you still need to be winning games with hockey treading water really can be losing in overtime yeah uh, it, but but, but at a certain this year. but at a certain point you do have to turn it around otherwise your treading water just means you drown slower yeah that, i mean that's 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 all that it is like getting one point is fine but it's different whenever you're playing divisional opponents yeah every game because yeah. getting one point isn't enough right no, I I, mean, I agree. One step forward, two steps back. I agree with you. I'm 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 just saying like that is at the end of the day, we won't really know until they either turn it around or they don't. And because the way that the season is working, they they have a much larger window to work with as far as treading water, and right. they are doing what they have to do as far as keeping that window open. And it's still open. But uh, it is still open. Yeah, they they're doing what they have to do to keep the they're they're doing what they have to do to keep the window open without actually turning the corner. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I would probably give it like in all honesty, like it like I know that I've texted like it's so funny. So many times. So many times this year. I'm like, the season's done. This is it. Pack it in. Let's just lose and let's just try and check. But every time they win a game, I'm like, oh God. Okay. <laughs> Like they look great doing this. <laughs> Just oh, uh, oh, uh, ah. Uh, uh. Yeah, all right. Like you know, and then the very next game, it's like, all right, well, then there goes all that momentum. I just want them to ride their momentum from one win to another. That's all I want. Let me see a two-game winning streak, and then we'll talk. Because so I would say in two weeks from now, in two weeks, yeah, we will see where they stand. Yeah, I think so too. We'll have a better we'll have a better picture of how the playoff window is going to look. If we really want to get down to it, like they what has put them in this position, what was put them behind the eight ball is that what six game skid where they lost in regulation, like six straight games. I mean, it's the same thing as last year, man. It was right. The same I know. I know. I know. I'm just I'm just saying like if if they, I mean, with the way that the playoffs are, uh, the playoff picture is looking right now. Even if they split those games, like they are still, they'd be in a playoff spot right now if they split those games. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's know. that's six points. They at, going into tonight, yeah, no, they were only five points behind. You know, so now they're six points back from from Nashville, which is that fourth playoff spot. Yeah. So literally splitting those six games. That's the difference get right win. there. Get a win in two days. Beat Nashville in regulation in two days. The season's still alive. If they lose to Nashville in regulation next week, the season might still be salvageable, Like, but at least the window is still open. But if they beat Nashville in a couple of days and then in regulation then we can talk but what's, let's let's talk in two weeks and then see where we stand from there what's making me nervous is i haven't heard any updates whatsoever about, about ben, ben or sagan. sagan i know i know ben bishop yeah yeah bishop or Sagan. yeah yeah sorry bishop or sagan before we started recording today i even did a google search and there was nothing 
I, I know that Sagan has been on the ice for warm-ups a few yeah, times. Yeah, I know. But and, and so is Bishop. Bishop has been taking some, some ice time, too. But, uh, like, that, that doesn't mean anything. Steven Stamkos or, uh, or Nikita Kucherov was taking ice time a month ago. Yeah. The Lightning, and he's still not playing. So that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to be playing soon. Right. So we need to get those guys on the ice and soon. Yes. Soon. Because that's that seems to me to be the only way that we can salvage this season. Because Jake Ottinger looked good, but not good enough. Because he's a rookie. Hudobin clearly can't be the number one. No. So they need Bishop out there. And they need Sagan to... And they need Sagan and Radulov back out there to kind of instow that fear into other people it's like here are the big boys like let's get them fucking going what i'm the thing that's missing right now is ben jamie mm-hmm. ben is the thing that's missing and i like i that's that's really it that's all i have to say about it the last thing that i have to say which right. could potentially launch us into another nope this will be the rant. last thing uh the way that ottinger is playing right now makes me nervous that seattle takes him no, they can't. They can't. They can't. Oh, no, right, right, right. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, never mind. They have to be in the NHL for yeah, for a, years. Yeah, okay, never mind. Never yeah, mind. No, they can't take him. Same thing with Ty Delandria. Same thing with Miro Haskinen and Robertson. Yeah, but they're still gonna. Oh, no, they can take Haskinen. They can't take Robertson though. But that's why they're gonna protect them. But yeah. Yeah. So, um, anything else on the stars? Let's go ahead and... No, but else. real quick before we get into the soccer minute, I forgot to mention that we do have a sponsor. Uh, oh, so, yeah. So after all that negativity, if you need a little pick-me-up for your pickup truck and you need a lift... I don't know. This is so, this is the worst thing. I, I'm sorry, but go to Havoc Truck Accessories in Denton, Texas. They are on the lookout for you. They're going to make your truck look big without making your penis look small. Yeah. Oh, nice. Bam. Nice. Big truck and big dick big energy. Big truck and big dick energy, baby. Yeah. All right. So let's go ahead. And for my FC Dallas fans, we do we will do a soccer minute. There's not a whole lot to really talk about, but we do know when the season is going to start. I know that... Um, FC Dallas had its moment in the sun whenever they moved past the Portland Timbers in the first round of the MLS playoffs, and that was very exciting. And then they ended up losing one to nothing to Seattle, who ended up losing the MLS Cup in the finals, which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But now we have a set date on when things will start, and that's going to be Saturday, April 17th against the Colorado Rapids. So, uh, there's nothing... Whoa, I don't even know what I just did there. Sorry. Uh, we don't have, like, a specific network or when it's going to... Or, uh, not when, but, like, where you can watch it. But I do know that FC Dallas does kick off their season in Colorado against the Colorado Rapids. And then on April 24th, 2021, is their first game against San Jose, the San Jose Earthquakes. So that's going to be the first game, the first home game of the year. And hopefully by then, they're going to be allowing more fans in the stands. I know that FC Dallas was allowing people in for the end of the season and for home playoff games if they were to have it. Let's just all do a, let's just all just do a quick little reality check here and not boo players whenever they have the home games. I know that they're going to be kneeling during the anthems. Please don't boo them. 
Like we don't ever like regardless. Of, I'm not. Ta I'm not saying that if you don't agree with kneeling with uh, during the national anthem, I'm not saying that you're wrong. But let's just appreciate what we have in front of us right now, and just if you get the chance to go to a home FC Dallas game, just appreciate it for what it is. Let's just all have fun. Let's not make this political, and let's just all have a good time because I know that those FC Dallas fans, the hoops. I know that y'all are ready for them to get started. I'm ready for them to get started. Let's get another season of FC Dallas kicking off here. I know that uh, the players are ready to go. I'm ready to go. Let's let let let's let's all be ready to go and let's all unite in one beautiful moment here and just have a good time. So I don't, like I don't have anything else. God damn it. I'm sorry. I know. I know you like I know. I'm sorry. He's getting up and grabbing things. <laughs> <laughs> that was the quickest soccer minute in recent memory. <laughs> well, I don't really have anything else to talk about. Like, there's no preseason games. There's nothing going on. Like, it's just it's just going right into the season. So, FC Dallas, love you guys. FC Dallas fans, the hoops, love you guys too. Let's all support this team and let's all get going. So, let's go FC Dallas. See you guys in April. Yes, and now for some trivia. Okay. Right, so, with March Madness in full swing right now, I know that it's getting closer to the end, which is very unsettling, but um, with March Madness in full swing, my trivia question to you is... <clears throat> The Houston Cougars just recently made the Final Four last night, being March 29th of 2021. And Houston beat all double-digit seeds in order to get to the Final Four. When was the last time a team beat double-digit seeds to make the Final Four? All double-digit seeds, right? All double-digit seeds. I have no clue. All right, so you get to, you get a second to think about that, and uh, we will uh, we'll come we'll come back to that at the end of the podcast episode. But that's the trivia question: Who was the last team to win double digit seeds, or to beat nothing but double digit seeds to make it to to make it to the final four? The final four finals. So I know that we just got done talking about the stars and how depressed we are about them, but let's talk about a fucking awesome team right now in the Dallas Mavericks because now they're getting to the point where they're not even going to be in the play-in round. Like, if they keep winning and they get to that number six seed in the West, which is no easy feat because right now the Mavericks would be like third in the East with their record currently. So if they can keep winning and get to that sixth seed, sixth seed that's hard to say sixth seed in the in the west then they wouldn't even be in the playing round like because it's seven eight ninth and tenth seeds are all going to be playing kind of like what the nhl did last year whenever they yeah. had the playing round for the bubble yep. and all this stuff yeah so the mavericks the last time that we were talking we were sitting there saying like maybe they'll make the playing round or maybe they won't it'll just depend on what luka Doncic is going to do well, I think Luka Doncic showed us what he is willing to do and everything that all of the sacrifices and everything that he's willing to make in order to make sure that this team is that good. And by the way, did you watch him at the All-Star game? 
Luca? Yeah. No, I oh did not. Oh my god, dude. He looked okay, but he definitely looked out of place, especially whenever you look at him in the skills competition. It was <laughs> kind of embarrassing. <laughs> and it's so funny because Luca's one of those guys that never takes himself too seriously. One of his teammates, I can't remember who it was, but someone on the Mavs called him out for how bad he looked in the skills competition. And his response back was just so funny. And it's just, it's like, it's so, like, it's cool. That's the one thing about social media that I really do love is that it allows us to kind of get that little glimpse inside of the personal lives of these stars that we've always just held to this high accord. And um, it's just, it's real funny and very human mm -hmm. to kind of see Luka Doncic be able to just kind of be himself. Did you see Bo Bonds? Uh, tribute to Luca on his birthday. Uh, oh my God, Boban! I think is my favorite basketball player of all time, even above Brian Cardinal. You know, like the custodian was great for the for the 2011 NBA championship run, but I love Boban. He is just one of the all around good people that have that's probably ever played in this league. And him and him and Luca are from the same country. So it's just one of those things that like they share that bond together and it's it's just a lot of fun to kind of sit there and just watch those two interact. So all that being said, we can go ahead and just talk about the Mavericks as a whole. And I know that we have always talked about this is that every time that we see the Mavs start to play a game, first quarter comes out and we get the numbers and it says that they're down 12 15 points. Well, it's it's like the first quarter they're they're almost always like right there, maybe down a couple. Then the uh then the halftime and it's always like right there, maybe down a couple, maybe up a couple. And then you look at the third quarter and and they're starting to pull away and then the final score is like what the this doesn't look like it was a game at all. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's it's so crazy. And you know who's really impressed me a lot lately is it's not just Luca. But Porzingis has also looked like that solid defensive presence that we've always really kind of said before. <coughs> Sorry. He looks like that kind of player that can be that number two on an NBA championship team. I'm not saying that they're going to win the championship this year. No, but... But... Kristaps uh, Porzingis is really starting to kind of, I think, come into his own, especially defensively. Like, of course, offensively, he's always been able to hit those long-range shots. He's he's your typical 20-20-plus big man who can hit three-pointers behind the arc. And we, we were talking about before this, whenever we were watching Gonzaga play, is that it's 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 it, you can really see the difference between the pros and the college athletes is that the college athletes, if they're open, it's not necessarily it's not necessarily a guaranteed shot that they're going to make that. In the pros, if you're open, they're going to drill it. And now the pros are starting to get to the point where even the centers, your big men, have to be able to hit those open threes consistently. And Kristaps Porzingis has really been that guy that has stepped up and really contributed a whole lot not just offensively, behind the arc and all that stuff, but he's also looked really good defensively. Yeah. And I know that it's just – because, I mean, like, if you want to look at the – like, we were talking about, like, at the end of February, right before we stopped doing it weekly, that the Mavs had to have a, a, an awesome month of March. And I would say that 
they have delivered. You know, big wins, big wins against the Spurs, several wins against the Thunder. I mean, look, the, the game against the Thunder on March 3rd, they held Oklahoma City to 78 points. And they that like then the Mavs scored 87. So, yes, is their offense struggling? Of course it is, but if their defense can step up the way that they have been, you know, it's a, they yeah. held the Clippers to 99 points on the 15th. And then one oh no no, no I'm sorry. That's the other way around. They lost to the Clippers 109-99 on the on the 15th, but then 2 days later on the 17th, they won 105 to 89. So, the Mavericks are very different, polar opposites. To the stars right now because they take momentum from their first win and they carry it over to other games. They don't allow losses like that one to the Clippers. Like yes, they scored only 99 points, but they were still in it. It was a 10-point game right there at the end, and they come back that next night and just dominate the Clippers. And then the Clippers are that same team that they beat by 51. Uh, at the beginning of February. So it's like this team is consistent. They are consistently beating the teams that they should beat. You know, I mean, uh, 132 to 92 against the Portland Trailblazers on the 21st. Uh, they lost to the Pacers 109 to 94. Uh, and then, uh, but then they come right back and then they beat Oklahoma City 127 to 106. They've got the Celtics tomorrow night, which I think could be. A little bit of a difficult game but at the same time it's just like you this team can show up against anyone and they can really play well and I, I would love to see this team play the Lakers right now especially with Anthony Davis and LeBron James being injured <clears throat> yeah like like the Lakers aren't looking as scary as you think they might like it's just one of those things that like of course the Utah Jazz are one of those teams that have kind of come out of nowhere, but right now, like they're not in a position to play them. If they were, if they were to meet the Utah Jazz later on in the playoffs, like that's going to be in the Western Conference Finals, and I would love to see something like that. But I, like I say all that to say this: with this Mavericks team, I really do think that this team is one of the scariest teams going into the playoffs, and I think Luka Doncic. Is that I know that at the beginning of the year I said that Luka was going to win the MVP. I don't think that's the case anymore just because of how slow of a start he had to this season. But I mean, like, I think that that's like the ultimate argument for why Lucas should win the MVP because he had this slow start to the season. The Mavericks had a slow start. Now Lucas starting to pick it up, start to play extremely well. And now the team is starting to play well. To me, I look at that and say that's MVP caliber right there. And so I think that Luka will still finish the end of the year in the top three in MVPs. I just don't think he will win it. I still think it's going to be LeBron James that's going to win it. I think that um, uh, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo is going to be second, and then Luka is going to be third. I think that that's how it's going to end up shaping, and I don't think that that's going to be wrong either. But it's just I, I like if the Mavericks keep going the same way that they're going right now. Like if they have if they keep carrying this momentum into April, which I think that they can because like all of the games that they're playing, I'm looking forward to that game Monday the fifth of April against the Utah Jazz. Holy shit, what a matchup that's gonna be! Yeah, and I can't I can't wait to see that because it's just like this Utah Jazz team that they've got right now is better I think than the. 98-99 team that had Stockton and, and uh, Malone on it. 
So, like, that's going to be the real test to see how good this team is. Do I think that they're going to win? No, but let's see if they can make it a game. Right, yeah. If they, if they can make it a game, then things are going to be great. And I like, and the rest of, if you want to look at the rest of April, it's very favorable for the Dallas Mavericks. And the only reason why I say that is because the Mavericks have looked great. I think that they could put anyone in front of this team right now, and I think that anyone, I think that they could beat anyone. Yes. Yeah, like you've got you've got that you've got that game against the Jazz on the fifth. Then you've got back to back games the twenty second and the twenty fourth against the Lakers. So look for this month of April to really be a test for this team because if you're a Stars fan and you're starving for wins, come on over to the Dallas Mavericks bandwagon because that's the wins right there. It's it's like the Stars started here and the Mavericks started down low. The teams have kind of flipped out like it really has yeah and so i like it's very exciting to be a mavericks fan right now because any game that the mavericks have lost so far in the month of march either luca has has sat out because of an illness non-covid related or Kristaps porzingis has sat out because of injury maintenance right there's always been an excuse for every single loss that the mavericks have had but mm -hmm. if the team is all together on the floor which is what we were saying this whole time is that if this team is together, you've got you've got uh, Kleba not playing post, but you've got Kleba playing maybe the number four spot, hitting us hitting threes on the outside. And the other thing that we haven't talked about is the new addition to the Dallas Mavericks. Called it, dude. You called it, man. Like you really did, because I didn't even think about adding JJ Reddick to this team until you were saying like, hold on, like hear me out here. But JJ Reddick would be a good fit for this team. And I, the thing with J.J. Redick that I love so much that's different between him and Seth Curry is that J.J. Redick is a better off-the-ball mover. Like, I, like he, yeah. can, he can move up and down the three-point line better than Seth Curry. And find that soft spot in the defense. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. So I think that and, – and they gave up nothing for him, too. It's nothing. Nothing. They gave up James Johnson uh, – uh, a second round pick, and I, I can't remember the other player that they gave up. It was it was another it was a big man that they gave up for one of one of LA's uh, not LA um, different LA New Orleans uh, New, yeah. another New Orleans big man who's injured. But he yeah. it, it's just one of those things that Donnie Nelson has set this team up perfectly for success right now. Like like. What's missing? The three-point ball. Okay, we're gonna add. We're gonna add JJ fucking Reddick. Yeah, like honestly, I can. I. I don't think. I don't think the stars are or not the stars. I don't think the Mavericks are gonna. I don't think the Mavericks are gonna win the the NBA championship. No, but I think they're set up to be that team that could come out of nowhere and do it. I mean, there's still so much time left in this season, and the Mavericks are kind of starting to find themselves. Mm -hmm. And NBA players are starting to get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So it's not even like that COVID is going to be a thing that that in the very near future, I truly believe that we're going to have to worry about whenever it comes to other NBA players. Yeah. So like, this team is together, and it's showing you what this – what this team looks like whenever they are together and they're meshing well. And that's what we've been saying this whole time. And it's it's the same argument with the Stars. Like, right, let's get yeah. the whole team on the ice and see what happens. Let's get this whole Mavericks team on the court and see what happens. You know what's happening right now. Yes. You see it. And this team looks so good. And yeah. it, I'm telling you, it's... right now, like, like, if they keep going on the path where they're going, Luka might 
be the MVP favorite still. Like, it's, there's still so much left in this season for the Dallas Mavericks that it's just it's it's very exciting. And I like I like I, I like I don't know what else to say about it. It's just watch the games because it's just, like this team is playing so well. It's very fun to watch. Yeah, I, the, the Mavericks are playing so well right now that I think Tim Hardaway Jr. might stay. I like I'm telling you, it's just one of the, <laughs> like like it, like it's so funny because now that the trade deadline has come and passed, because I know that I said that I think that they would try and get something for Tim Hardaway Jr. But since they didn't trade him and the team is playing so well, Tim Hardaway Jr. is kind of finding his spot on the team, which is not the number one. Because whenever Luka and KP aren't playing like, and all the weight kind of falls on Tim Hardaway Jr., he can't compute. But he's, he's his dad. He, he is his dad. You watch him and it's just he's, he's, he is just a carbon copy of Tim Hardaway Sr. He just is. He's going to live and die by his shot. And if if he's on fire, keep feeding him the rock, you know, but if he's not on fire, he's going to keep shooting until he makes something. And it's just, it's, 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 it's very exciting to watch this team right now. And I like, I being a Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex sports fan, sports fan. If you're going to pick one team to watch, this is the team to watch right now is the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. So let's all, let's all just have some fun here and just get on this bandwagon because it's, it's very exciting. It's kind of like the beginning of the stars season. Like it, it really is that exciting. And we'll, we'll, we'll really see what this team is made of whenever they play the Lakers again. And whenever they play the, uh, uh, whenever they play the Utah jazz. So, Oh yeah. I, I completely oh, yeah. come to Steve. Come to Steve. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's a reference nobody's going to get. Nobody gets it. Um, Do you have anything to add? Because that's all I have to say. No, all, all I was going to say is that I completely agree with you, but I think I think what we're going to see is, especially come playoff time, I think J.J. Redick is going to be more of a presence in that uh, the car, you know, the Rick Carlisle pick and roll you know, there's not a whole lot of driving. Well, the, Luca drives the lane, and it's like you know maybe he kicks it back out. But with uh, before JJ Redick, it's like okay, get somebody on KP, somebody on Hardaway. Like what are you gonna do? But now it gives him that third option to kick it out to. Like, psh. and if it's if it's KP, Kleba, Hardaway, uh, Doncic, and Redick on the floor, like. Maybe Luca's the only one that drives, and everybody else goes and finds a spot on the three-point line, and he just kick it out and pass it, and then drain a three. You know, like it's—I don't know. I just—that's what I was. My thought process was when I was saying, like, let's go get JJ Redick, and I think that that just opens up them offensively so much that that's why I'm saying that this could be that team that. I, I'm not gonna. I'm not putting a call in. You know what I mean. But do you think this team wins? I, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't first round of the playoffs. Uh, dude, I wouldn't be shocked if they made it to the finals this year. Oh man, see, I, it's just. I would be. I would be surprised. Happy, happily surprised. Obviously, but it wouldn't be like what out of nowhere. How did they do it? It would be like no, yeah, that makes sense. They're like a top to bottom. Right now, they yeah. are. They mesh really, really well. I still, th- I still hold true to what I think is if they can just win a 
playoff series this year. That's a step in the right direction because oh, they, yeah. haven't, they haven't won a playoff series since they won the championship right. in 2011. So that's yep. 10 years now. So like, oh, it's, Man, it, we're getting old. It's, it's one of those things. <laughs> we're all getting old. Um, it's one of those things, though, that if you look at it and just like if Luka can get that under his belt, I think that if he can win a playoff series, if he can know what it is truly like, how to like what you need to do to dig down deep and win a, a seven game playoff series against an NBA team, because I mean, Luka's been a he's been a pro basketball player since he was 16, you know, and now he's 22. So it's it's one of those things that he's no spring chicken whenever it comes to professional basketball. It's just learning what needs to be done at the NBA level. It's it, it's completely different things. And so I think that if Luka could just get a playoff win, yeah, or a, like a playoff series win, right? Then, then I think that this team is set up for success in the future. And I think that that would be enough to entice Tim Hardaway Jr. to stick around to entice. JJ Redick to probably re-sign down here. Like it just if he can mesh well and he looks really good, as I think that he will, and as as you have already predicted that you think that he will, because you thought that they were gonna trade for him, which I didn't even see coming, so good on you. Um I like I think that this team can make some noise and just win a playoff series, that is a win. But I do think that this team could win two. Yeah. I really do think that they can make to make it to the Western Conference Finals and really put up a fight against the Clippers or the Lakers or the Jazz that's, or whoever it's going to be that's going to be in front of them. Yeah, that's the thing. As, as far as uh, the playoffs are concerned, obviously I, I, nobody has players that literally – nobody in the West has, has players – that actually compete with LeBron and Anthony Davis. When they're both on the court, nobody has two guys that are comparable to both of them. You know what I mean? But as far as how the Mavericks are built and just how soundly they are starting to operate as a team, I, I, they're kind of like LeBron and Anthony Davis beat. You know, like they're they're like they're yeah. Like LeBron and Anthony Davis are here. Luca and KP are just like, just like barely underneath. This whole phone, uh, th- this whole hand reference doesn't work over podcast. No, but if you just take like a step <laughs> down, I I really do think that Luca and KP can eventually take that step and be those guys because the, everyone always talks about with the Mavericks and they say like, oh well, can like wh- who's the third person that's going to step in and be that big piece for the Dallas Mavericks? Do they even need that big piece? No, they're whole. That's it's that's the thing. Like everybody else right now, you know, it's just like they're they're two pieces, and mm-hmm. everyone just works around those two pieces. And I think that the Mavericks can adopt that, like adopt that mentality and work well within that system. Yeah, the the third player in the Mavericks big three right now is the rest of the team. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's not too that, like that's not too far. Like it, it, like it's not asking too much for the team to do that. I don't think. No, and. What's ironic is at the beginning of the year, we were saying, like, you know, the rest of the team is not good enough. We need a legit big three. And now it's like, no. No, I know. No. We were wrong. Well, I mean, it's just. We very much like the stars, man. I know that we've already said this, but it's just like once they got the whole team on the court, it showed you what the whole team aspect can do. It's very similar to that team that played with. Uh, Rick Carlisle in the 2011 team that won the championship. You know, you had Dirk, 
You had Jason Kidd. Yeah, really, it was Dirk and Chandler. Yeah, Dirk, really, and, Dirk and Tyson Chandler. Tyson, were the, Tyson Chandler were really it. Jason Kidd was huge. Jason Terry were huge. But I still think that you look at that, and they were just they like were huge. Dogs. They were they huge in more limited roles. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But it's, then you take Tyson Chandler away from that team, then they don't win another game that next year against the Oklahoma City Thunder in the first round of the playoffs. It's it went from Dirk Nowitzki to Dirk Nowinski. You know, it's just like one of those things that not my joke. I saw a meme of that, but it's just still one of those things that like this team, especially with Rick Carlisle as the coach. Yeah. We'll see what happens going forward, and it looks very promising. Yep, so. yep. So, speaking of promising. looking forward. Fucking A right, let's do looking it. Looking forward, we are going to do look it. at, we're going to talk about the Rangers, and we're going to start off with a very heartfelt imaginary punch of Jose Bautista because <laughs> no matter what else you do or where else you go man you will always be that's it man that's going to be the pinnacle of his career and that's such a shame always be that guy yep who actually punched the league's most punchable face in 2016 <laughs> like that would be like going back in time to the early 2000s and punching Alex Rodriguez in the face, you know, like it, like it really, like, like Jose Batista is right up there. And so good for Rudeto Dor to be able to live out everybody's dream to do that. Yes, yeah. Unfortunately, unfortunately, he has look at it. He oh, unfortunately he's in a position where he has been removed from the team. Uh, well, okay, I say removed. He has been. Uh, they designated him for assignment, and he had no more options no more minor league options on his contract so that means that they cut him from the team yes they did yep root night odor is no longer a texas ranger and the, he can't be a texas ranger and the thing is excuse me he like the way that he's always worked is he he would have an okay start of a season and he would start to go into a slump and then they would send him down for a month or two and he'd come back and he'd be batting like 300 320 and and playing really well you know and it just happened just so happens that a couple years ago they decided you know hey this is this is it this is the year that he's going to turn the corner and we're not going to have to send him down to get his swing right or get his mentality right or something and they didn't give you know the the contract that the way that it was worded he didn't have any minor league options they couldn't send him down and so they have come to the point where they reached an impasse and he is no longer a ranger they're moving forward with charlie culberson which at this point like i said before we started recording that is an upgrade that's uh, charlie culberson is not exactly an unknown entity you know he's young so he's not fully a known entity but he's it's not like you've never heard of him. You know, he was a, a really good part of a really good Braves team last year. Just to kind of put it into perspective, I know that whenever whenever the Rangers signed Charlie Culber Culberson, I remember saying this, but I'm going to say it again. I know who Charlie Culberson is. Like, I know that name. So yeah. that's like someone who doesn't follow baseball as religiously as most do. If I know the name. Yeah. 
Like, so, like it's a solid replacement for Rugnet Odor. Like, I, like I really do because it's just it, it doesn't seem like that Rugnet really lit the. I, it, it makes you wonder that if he didn't have that punch heard round the world, would he still be here this year? Probably and I don't not. Think so I don't think so. It's it's like the that Giants player. Well, he signed the contract. Punch. He signed the contract like the next year. Yeah, it was. I know. It, it, but it was like that. It was like that player that played for the Giants that made that helmet catch. That that that. Yeah, the, I'm. The, tr- the, I'm the, tr- I don't remember yeah. his name either. Like uh, I have no idea who it is. It's the same thing with uh, Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler for uh, the New England Patriots that made the interception. Like within two years of those big moments, they were cut from the team. Yeah. And that those were championship-winning plays. Yeah, <laughs> that won the game. Sealed, sealed, yeah, sealed Super Bowls. Yeah, sealed Super Bowls for them. You know, and, yeah. and yeah. Rugnet Odor, it's the same way. You know, it's a, we always want to talk about how, and you even said like, the way that I look at Rugnet Odor is the same way I look at Dennis Garyanov for the Stars. Dennis Garyanov was always that player that never really lived up to his potential for the longest time, so they would always send him down. A couple years ago, they send him down to the AHL. His first night in the AHL gets a hat trick. And it's just one of those things where it's like, yes, this is what we want to see. So we're going to bring you back up. And then last year, Garyanov puts his name on the uh, puts his name on the map and he's continuing that success this year. And I don't think Rugnet Odor has really ever had a consistent year of the, yes, this is why we signed you. It's always one of those things where it was too little too late for yeah. Odor. It's always whenever it, the, the pressure was never really on him, or it was at the end of the year whenever the, the season was already out of hand. Yeah. You're just kind of looking at it just going like, this is great, so where are these big moments whenever we need you? Right. And I mean, and, 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 and just taking personal opinion out of it, the MLB 2020 game that you play does not give Odor any respect no, when none. it comes to his fielding. None. Every play that's ever hit at him is a fucking error. Yeah. So that's got to be something that you got to look at it and say, like, are they, like, being a little bit too over the top whenever it comes? Probably. But there's got to be merit behind why they think that way. So it's just, unfortunately, Rugnet Odor is gone. Rugi eats for free at Heim is now no longer a thing. I still wish I would have had that shirt. I mean, uh, as far as I know, that's a lifetime offer. Oh, sure so it is. So he might need to take advantage of that pretty soon. He needs to hurry before he moves back to wherever he's got. Maybe the Dominican to play? or uh, uh, Someone will pick him up. Yeah, somebody, somebody will pick him up. Somebody will pick him up for a minor league deal, and he'll tear it up down there, and they'll bring him up, and he'll bat, you know. 280 and hit a couple bombs and, and everybody hit 159 the rest of the year and all this stuff. So yeah. first of all, I, I do want to say for as polarizing as a player as he was, thank you, Rugnet Odor, for the memories that you have given us. Like, cause he really is this little spitfire pit bull little fuck. That yeah, like, you just yeah. like you never knew what to get from him. Is he going to be this lovable little thing or is he going to just bite me in the neck? You know, it's just like he was always that guy that you kind of look at it. He's not Elvis Andrews. No. They're not going to retire Rudnetto no, number. But at that the picture of Rudnetto But at the Dorf, end of the day, he gave us one of the most greatest memorable time. Rangers moments of all time. Top 10. Rangers top moment. 10. I'd say top 5. No way. No, I wouldn't say top 5. Like no more than fucking uh Kenny Rogers. Okay, Kenny yeah. Rogers. Oh my god. It is Kenny. Bro- oh, is it? The Gambler? Yeah, Kenny yeah, Rogers. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. yeah, they have the same name. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but yeah, it's Rusty Greer's dive. 
to make that catch, you know, the the the, the like to, like to make the catch during the perfect game. Like I'd say. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh, Gary Matthews Jr.'s over the over the shoulder catch That's in true. the outfield, and then of course both moments go into the World Series. 2010 and 2011 like I, like you can't top those that's why i'm saying okay like, I sure those sure yeah 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 you're right so, oh and then and then we're also talking uh, skipping over nolan ryan beating nolan the shit ryan out of robin is, ventura yes nolan seventh no hitter se- you know? sixth and seventh sixth no hitter seventh, so yeah yeah so, so I, yeah. Say top, I wouldn't say top five that's true top 10 yeah top 10 top 15 somewhere in there but, it, but it, it just still it of, so of our lifetime, yes, just of our lifetime, yes. Oh, uh, what a great moment! And it, it's so was, great. Now I saw it live, and it's oh, I did too. I did oh. too. I did too. I watched it with my family live, and it's one of those things that, like, it, like I remember watching that moment, and we were all like, my whole family was sitting there together, and we just went, as soon as it happened, we all went, oh. Rewind it. Rewind <laughs> yeah. it. Watch it again. You know, it's just yeah. no, it was so great. So the girl that I was dating at the time, her sister, they were from Chicago and uh, her sister was a really big baseball fan. And so her sister texted me. She was like, are you watching the Rangers game? And I was like, yeah, I just watched that shit. <laughs> so all that being said, your yeah. Rangers career is a little bit underwhelming, wah, door, wah. but still you will live in infamy. Just because of it's not just the punch. Oh man, it was who you punched. Who you punched. It was beautiful. It was, I mean, one of the one of the worst Ranger killers out oh, there. Oh man, and see, I wouldn't even say that Jose Bautista is a Rangers killer. He just had the bat flip. I think is all it was. Oh, that's like, true. Like that's all it that's was. That's true. I would. Well, but but he was he was public he was enemy no. He was public enemy number one at the time, and yeah, because it, because of the bat flip and all this stuff, and it just sucks. And if we that same season, the Rangers end up losing to the Blue Jays. Yeah, and but get they swept by the Blue Jays in but, that season. So it's just it's, it's just ever, okay. So very very typical of Rudman Odor. The last thing I'll say is we would break down this play. Everybody like. Jose Bautista and all these Blue, Ra- Blue Jays fans were like, oh, you know, if they were going to bean him, you know, they need to do it the first at bat of the first game that they play him and, and blah, blah, blah. No, they, they didn't bean him. They showed that they weren't going to. Bautista slid into a double play and Rugnet Odor didn't exactly try to throw around him, but he didn't try to hit him with the ball. But Bautista took objection to how close Odor threw the ball to Bautista's head. Odor clearly was trying to get the ball to first base, right? So Bautista stands up and shoves Odor. This was not retaliation for the bat flip. This was retaliation for Bautista being a fucking dick. Right. He shoved Odor and got punched in the face. And then, and then lost his helmet and his sunglasses. And Beltre had to hold him up. Beltre had to hold him oh, up, man. and then he still had the balls after the game to say it takes a bigger <laughs> right, man, right. takes a bigger man than that to knock me down. What um, are you talking about, you douche? Um, <laughs> really, really? Because I'm pretty sure half of your teammates came at him, and oh, what is it? Josh Donaldson? Um, Josh Donaldson got his ass beat yes, too that game. Yes, People. Forget about that. I know, I People know. forget about that. 
<laughs> so all right so anyway that's we, all we, we, can, that's, we can move on but that's do, all do us a favor please if you're listening to this and 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 if you saw that play happen live please email us your story at drunken fan all right yeah drunken questions at gmail yeah tell us tell us where you were when you saw it tell us yes yeah. because every that's going to be like whenever john f kennedy was fucking shot you know like oh everyone, no it's not that big of a deal everyone remembers where they were whenever oh was jesus shot, you know? like we ever all rangers fans are gonna know where we were whenever Jose Bautista <laughs> ass beat by Rudnet Odor. So and please. and what has Bautista done in the league since? Nothing. Nothing. So thank you, Rudnet Odor, for at least you ruined your career, but at least you ruined Bautista's you career. Too. Took him with you. Just took him right down with you. So we love you, Rugi. You eat for free at Heim Barbecue. Take advantage of that before you go somewhere else. But yes. Please send us an email. For those of you who are not Rugnet Odor, if you are listening to this podcast and you remember and you have a great story that you want to tell us about that moment, drunkenquestions at gmail.com. Please send it to us. We will read that email. JR, you don't count. I already kind of told your story because you were there with me whenever we watched it live. So with all that being said, thank you, Rugnet Odor. We can move on now. Look to the Rangers of the future. Well, the regular season starts on Thursday. So by the time this releases, it will be tomorrow. So the Rangers regular season starts tomorrow. Yes. Uh, Which is against the Royals. Which, I mean, I like... Like, you can't break down games in baseball like you can, but, I mean, it's just still, like, the Royals are one of those things where they had their little moment in the pan, like, their little flash in the pan with Moustakas and all those guys, but, I mean, it's just, what have they done? Moustakas. Moustakas. I don't know why I said it like that. Moustakas. <laughs> so, I mean, but, but even still, if you want to talk about a player that has looked just absolutely phenomenal in the preseason... You've got to talk about Joey Gallo. Oh, Joey, Joey Gallo, man. Like he's I, like it, like he's had he has had like eighteen base hits, and thirteen of them have been for home runs. Base no, no multiple base hits. extra base hits, yeah, extra base hits. So it's it, it, he's not coming out and just hitting little nothing like. Oh, he's crushing the ball. He is crushing the ball right now, and this is one of those things where I'm looking at this going like, holy shit. Maybe Joey Gallo does not finish the season. Like I said, because right before we stopped recording on a weekly basis, I was sitting there saying that I didn't think that Joey Gallo was going to finish the season on the Rangers roster. And it, it still doesn't take away, like, it, it still wouldn't surprise me if Joey Gallo finished on a different team. Because, I mean, dude, if they're willing to trade Elvis Andrews and then just outright cut Rugnet Odor. They're like that's the ultimate message that they're telling to this team that no one is safe. No one on this team is safe. So I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I do know that if they're intending on trading Joey Gallo, he is doing nothing but increasing his trade stock. Yeah. So moving like moving into what we actually are going to expect from this team. Uh, Not much. Not not a whole lot, not but the much. but the moves that they've made, and I I know I said uh, I mentioned Charlie Culberson when it comes to replacing uh, Odor. Uh, Charlie Culberson is a part time second baseman, so 
he's probably he's gonna likely see a lot of playtime at second I, base. I do know that but, Josh Young, but is not. Nick Solak is is gonna be your second baseman in all likelihood. The projected lineup for 2021 as of today, as uh, according to uh, RotoChamp.com, is uh, gonna be Kiner Falefa leading off, playing shortstop. Excuse me. Which, I mean, sounds about right to me. Yeah. Uh, David Dahl, second. Who has also quietly had a really good yes. preseason. Yes, batting second. Training. Batting second, playing uh, in the outfield. Joey Gallo batting third, playing in the outfield. Nick Solak. What? Batting fourth. What? Yeah. Huh. All right. This is, this is well, according well, to this. Just, yeah, just finish this. We'll talk about this. Uh, batting fourth playing second base and the splitting time between second base and the outfield uh nate lau batting fifth playing first base ronald guzman batting sixth splitting time between dh and first base jose uh, leody Tavares batting seventh in the outfield jose trevino batting eighth catcher and then brock holt at uh, third base, batting ninth. So the you you think about that, and you're like, mm, I don't know. But that is a young team that has a lot of upside, a lot of upside. So the moves that the Rangers have made this offseason have all been geared towards not just committing to the rebuild, but trying to speed it up. Because if you think about it, uh, I mean, just off of Nate Lau and Charlie Culberson, both of those guys were part of teams that made deep playoff runs last year. Nate Lau just played in a World Series on your home field. Right. Now, I mean, it's so funny because we were sitting there talking about going after Jock Peterson. Yeah. Because he just played on their field and whatever. But like, I mean, Jock Peterson definitely had a better series. Well, no, he but did. he did, of course. But you want to talk about someone who's familiar with the home field. Yeah, like, the, the, like, that's a solid option because, you know, like, I didn't think that Jock Peterson was going to be truly the right answer. He was just going to be like a, a Band-Aid to put on an open wound. But instead of trying to cover up that open wound, they're just letting it flow. And I, I like it. Sounds like that they picked up the right player. I think if they weren't going to be able to get Jock Peterson, yeah. Um, so <clears throat> looking at that roster, there there's a lot of potential, and it just baseball is such a team oriented sport that it really, really is going to depend on how well these guys mesh. But you know what you're going to get out of Joey Gallo, and right, you know what. Guzman's potential is. You know what Culberson's potential is. I mean, shit, dude. You know. You know what David Dahl's potential is. You know what Kiner Falefa's ceiling is. I mean, you don't really know. You know, like it's one of those. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You don't. You don't even really know, and he's already won a Gold Glove. Yep. So this team, I'm not. I'm not gonna say this is a playoff team. Where do you see them ending up? I still see them ending up last in the division. I do. I think. I think the Mariners finished last in the division. And see, that's the only other team. I really do believe that's the only other team yeah. that I think that could finish worse than the Rangers. Yeah. So I. I. I think. I see them comedi- com- comedic. I see them competing. 
with uh, the Angels for the third spot, but I ultimately think they finished fourth in the West. But I think they... I think their record is somewhere around 72, 72 and 90. I don't think this is a 100-loss team. Even no, in I don't a, think so either. Even in the first year of a rebuild, I don't think this is a 100-loss team. Like, I'm telling you, I think... Where does Sam Huff we didn't, get in all this, too? Sam Huff is injured right now. Oh, is he? Yeah. Same thing with Josh Young, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Josh Young was going to be starting off... Too. Yeah, Jose yeah, but Josh Young was going to be starting off in Double uh, A anyway. No, I, I know he was, but was just, but I, Sam, I Huff, Sam, Sam Huff, was... Sam Huff is injured uh, with hamstring, gotcha. Gotcha. so he, but you know he's going to be getting play time. Uh, so, and we didn't even talk about the pitching. The pitching is looking like it might be an issue. <laughs> oh man, I like I saw an update on not an update, but I saw a report on the score app that talked about like breaking down each team. And whenever they started talking about the Rangers pitching, I went, "Who?" Like I had, I had no idea who anyone in their starting rotation was. Like it's like I can't even pronounce half the names in it either because it's just it's just a bunch of pitchers that I have no idea who any of them are. See, and, and, and that's the thing, too, is that it's I, – I think that they're really hoping that Kyle Cody is going to be the guy that really takes that turn and, and, and becomes that ace that they hope that he can be because right now he is number five in their rotation. And then a bunch of guys that it's just like, who the hell are they right well, in front of them? Well, they've got Kyle Gibson. Which, I mean – it sounds like a hockey goalie to me. Yeah. Uh, Dane Dunning, who they traded for. Um, Mike. That's the one I can't pronounce. Mike Fultonevich? Yeah, that's that That was my guess. <laughs> um, Kohei Arihara. Yeah, yeah. Who's, yes. who's looked pretty decent. He has. He really has. Like, But he's, he's looked like any other team he'd be a solid fourth rotation guy you know what? and that's fine that's yeah. fine especially on a rebuilding team it's like let him come in look great yeah and then he'll go sign somewhere else and then the he seems like that he is the Jacques Peterson yeah for the pitching rotation like he can't he's coming in with something to prove and why not just sign with the team that has nothing to prove and then see where he goes from there so I, I think that that's a smart business decision from anyone in that yeah, yeah, you know, like anyone that's in that party there, it just, it just sounds like a smart move, right? And, and then Kyle Cody, yeah, and Kyle Cody. Uh, they also <clears throat> they're they're they kicked around the idea of having a six man rotation. They scrapped that idea in favor of uh, <clears throat> having tandem starters. So there are going to be two guys that are going to be basically splitting what would be a normal workload for uh, for a starter, but they're not technically part of the rotation. Uh, yeah. So they're, they're, they're like both that sixth guy, and so they will have, instead of, you know, the pitcher's pitching every fifth game, they're going to be pitching every sixth game. So you're, the, you know, but these guys are going to be pitching every, 12th game <laughs> yeah i mean and, and you know what that's okay right yeah, now with, yeah. with this team like you don't want the you don't want the traditional you know? right and, and i love that they brought back chris woodward 
You know, like they're, they they gave him a contract extension in the off season as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, like I think, and I think that that's such a smart decision because he has done so well with this team. And he, like I think that the problem with Ron Washington was and um, Jeff Bannister was that they didn't trust the young players. They didn't yep. trust the rebuild process, which is fine, you know, because especially with Ron Washington, I think that he was one of those guys that he knew what success would like they're going to need to uh, well, let me try that again. They knew that it, Ron Washington knew what kind of success this team would need and what players would fit that mold and that's why they traded for Mike Napoli that's why they traded for Adrian Beltre that's why the, that's why they made the moves that they, they did get traded Lee. for Cliff Lee yeah. they traded for Cliff Lee and all that stuff so I mean it worked then this is a different team Ron Washington I don't think could manage this team I don't think he would know what to do with this team I think Jeff Bannister would have and this is all just pure speculation here and just my naivete whenever it comes to baseball. But I think Jeff Bannister could have done something with this team. But I really do think that Chris Woodward is the perfect coach whenever it comes to a rebuild. He might not be around for the Rangers' success. I hope he is. But he, he might be one of those managers that has to fall on that sword so that way the next guy that comes in manages the team to success that Chris Woodward kind of set up. But uh, it just seems like that this is just a, a, a perfect marriage right now for this team. The, the rotation doesn't look good. But I think the bullpen looks relatively solid. But I think the lineup looks very solid. I think that the lineup looks really good. And I think that it's really promising. perfect for this team to kind of develop and, 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 and get those moments that young players need big moments that young players need in order to kind of assess assess the situation excuse me uh and 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 really learn how to play well in the big leagues yeah it's, I, without any knowledge of baseball this is just that's how i see it i yeah i mean there's no point in talking about my opinion of jeff banister because he's not here anymore but uh i was never a big I, fan of I, his I, manager but, of the year you know? Yeah, he got manager of the year with Ron Washington's team, and then I, 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 and and then underachieved his way <laughs> out of a job. Yes, he did for yes. three consecutive yes, he years. Did. Yes, he did. I'm just saying. So let's be real here. Yeah, yeah. But, I just, I'm just saying, like it just, it yeah, didn't seem I know, like it. I know. I'm just, I, mean, I just, just in the end, I don't think that Ron Washington or Jeff Bannister would know what to do with this team, and I think Chris Woodward is the perfect person that is set up. I, I think Chris Woodward is set up for success whenever it yeah. comes to how to manage this. I think I think, if we're, I think it's going to be great. If, I think if we're talking about uh, comparing comparing Chris Woodward to uh, to other prominent baseball managers, I think Woodward fits more of the Joe Maddox role. Not oh, Joe Maddox. God. Yeah, Joe Maddox. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. Man, that's a, that's uh, a part, no more more of Madden. Madden. Yeah. Madden. Yeah. Yes. yes, Madden. Yes, more of that. I remember him. that mold. Uh, in that he yeah. he did a lot with a little. 
in yeah. Tampa Bay. Yeah. And, and people and people thought Cubs, yeah. yeah, people thought well, like, well, maybe he just, you know, is one of those guys that can do a lot with a little, but let's see what he can do with the Cubs. And then, you know, won a World Series. Uh, a team that hadn't won a World Series in 108 <laughs> fucking years. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah, so it's promising. So I, like I hope Chris Woodward gets to stick around just the way that I see it. I don't think so. I, I and I'm not I'm not saying Chris Woodward is going to be those one of those guys yeah, that yeah. can do both a lot with a little and, you know, break curses. But but what I do see is that he fits th- that mold. He he fits that management style more so than if you were to compare him to Ron Washington, who fits more of an old school style, or even Jeff Bannister, who looked like he fit more of that hard ass mold. Where both of those guys, I think, would have been. <clears throat> more on the old school way of of doing the rebuild which is like let's commit to suck for a while you know like like i'm gonna take everybody back to square one and i and everybody on this team is gonna relearn fundamentals and if they don't do it this is like a team full of this is their only shot type of guys and if they don't do it well then you know we bring in somebody who will i think i think chris woodward is is more of the more of the guy who's like you know like hey like no that's not how baseball works anymore like what yeah. well, let's let's figure out your strengths and figure out how your strengths can help us win baseball games chris woodward seems like the kind of guy that would look at it and say hey let's suck for a while and that's okay, because eventually we're gonna get to the place where we need to be. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Chris Woodward's more of the type that's like, yeah, okay. Are are you a five tool player? No. <laughs> no. Yeah, and that's but yeah. but we don't need you to be no, right, right. We don't need you I to mean, be to yeah. be successful. Look at Nick let's, Solak and let's, just say like, just just do what you need to do to be great. Yes. Let's let's maximize what you bring to the table instead of trying to force you into this mold of a player that you're not let's maximize what you bring to the bring to the table and part of the rebuild is bringing that bringing that out and also establishing what type of a team you want and need to be and then when you bring out you know the the best out of your players if they're not necessarily the best match for your team then you then you can trade them for somebody who is rather than the old school style is you can't cut it get out of here let's bring in the next guy see if he can cut it all right so one i i have two questions for you okay one question where do you see this team ending up like realistically not like record but like standing wise in the al west fourth Fourth, you really think that they're yes. that, that they're going to be better than Seattle? Yes. Okay. Second question. I know that we've done this for every single season as it's getting started. Okay. And we didn't prepare for this. Okay. But I need your top five baseball movies. Oh man, I didn't even think about this. I know I didn't either, and that's why like I was googling it while you were talking, and so now I've got my list. Okay. So, this, so this is but, uh, this is off the top of your head, man. This is off the cuff. This, this is, is off the top of your head, man. Okay. So first of all, let me tell you this. Whenever I started the basketball one, I said that White Men Can't Jump is the most overrated basketball movie of all time. I think I love that movie, but I don't think it's up there with the greats. Okay. What do you think is the most overrated baseball movie of all time that won't make your top five? Oh man. Um. I've got mine. You're probably going to hate me for saying it. 
I think my most overrated baseball movie. If it makes your top five, it cannot be on this list. No. I think it is going to have to be... Uh, oh, what is the name of that movie? Who's in it? I don't remember their names What's either. The about? It's about the kid that's the manager for the like he becomes the uh, the coach for the twins. Oh, oh, oh! Uh, Not that it's like a like it's ooh, man. Yeah, I just I just yeah. love baseball movies so much. It's hard for me to pick one and say it's overrated. But you know. <laughs> oh man, I forgot about that movie. Manager of the year or something I like think that. So was it? Little Big League? No, no, it wasn't Little Big League. Yes. Was yes. it Little Big League? Yes. Yes. Okay, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's... Little Big League, yes. yes. Little Big League. Okay. I think... I, I, I think, forgot about that movie. I think Little Big League. All right, you want to hear mine? You're going to hate me for this. Field of Dreams. Oh, yeah. I think it's overrated. I really do. Like, and see... Okay, and here's, here's my justification for it. I only saw that movie within the last five years. Yeah, see... I didn't watch it as a kid. See, uh, so I think that I think that 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 kind of has muddied the waters. I don't hate Field of Dreams. I don't I don't hate you for that because uh, I've seen it. No, I have I have seen it, um, but I am not sure that's going to make my top five. See, it's not going to make mine either because it's just like everyone seems to love that movie and it's fine. But I think that it was just too overhyped for me. I think everything about it is heavy-handed as shit. I think so too. I really do. Like it's fine. Like and like the whole the whole. If you build it, they will come. You know, like it's uh-huh. just. It, I but see, when I hear that, I think of the cable guy. Yeah. I think of the cable guy whenever all the cars are honking and then they stop and he's and Matthew Broderick standing in the in the parking lot and uh, Jim Carrey goes, "If you build it, they will come." You know? <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, what would you say is your number five? <clears throat> I think my number five has got to be Angels in the Outfield. Dude. Yes. Angels in the Outfield is so good. That's my number five, too. Yeah. It really is because I just think that I think that it, I think that if I were to have seen that movie as an adult, I would hate it. But because I grew up on that movie, I lo- like I view Christopher Lloyd as Al. I don't view him as the Doctor from uh, yeah. Back to the Future. Yeah. I just don't because he just call me Al. No one can see me or hear me but you. You know, like that's that's the way I see it, and that's who Donald Glover is to me. Yes. You know, it's just. It's, Do you know what? Uh, you know what? I said this Matthew so many. McConaughey. Yeah, Matthew McConaughey. Like, and then who's the fat guy? That oh the man! Ketchup? It must have been that third chili dog. You know, that third one tasted kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> I oh, the did they get the good salami? <laughs> I thought the game started at one. It does start at one, and you're a jackass. No, I'm a pitcher. You can be a pitcher and a jackass. Yeah, it's very common. Oh. <laughs> and then I can't hear the national anthem without thinking of that movie either. Hold on, wait. It's Jose? I thought it was Ose. Yeah, I know. It's very common. Wow, it's about a Spanish guy. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I like, I like, I love that movie. It's a so great. It's it's a great one. Uh, one thing that I quote. I, Relentless, relentlessly said this as a kid. I would always say, "You watch it, Nacho Butt." 
These, I don't like. I want a drink. I, I like. I don't want these drinks. I want something else. Well, what do you want? Coffee. How do you take it? In cups. Like, <laughs> like, I, like, I, like, I, like. That's how I always see that. So. Yep. Yes. Yep. Number five. Angels in the outfield. What's your number four? Oh man. Um. I think my number four. Hmm. Hmm. Shit, man. I think the number four. Can I tell, can I tell you mine? Kind of gives you like a little bit of a sure. inside look. Number four is Bad News Bears. The original Bad News Bears with Walter Maddow. I, I mean, that's a good one. I mean, I like, I like, I don't yeah. see like how that. It, it was so hard for me to put that because I know Quentin Tarantino think that that he it has that in his top ten greatest movies ever made. Yeah, and it's like. Like, cinematically speaking, and Walter Matthau. Oh, dude, I know. I think of that movie. I think of that because there's also with uh, that's in Goldmember with uh, the Austin Powers movie. But yeah, Bad News Bears is up there with me. That's number four. I, and the Billy Bob Thornton remake was fine. It was fine. Like I like most people look at remakes and stuff and say that it was shit. The Billy Bob Thornton remake was fine. I think that if you were gonna pick someone that was going to perfectly play the Walter Maddow character. Like, Billy Bob Thornton was it. But it, the kids just didn't seem the same to them. It, right. It seemed like that they they were trying too hard to be edgy and cool because that was, like, right after the 90s whenever it was cool to be edgy and the Attitude Era and all that stuff. Like it, like, it just didn't seem like it fit really well. Like, it seemed like that they were trying to be edgy but not, like, push the line too much. But that 1970s version, like, those kids said some fucking raunchy things that I couldn't even believe that they were saying, that, that, that parents allowed their kids to say that. Whenever I watched that movie as a kid, like, I, like, I sat there and I legitimately thought that those kids had bad parents. <laughs> I really did. I looked at it and was like, whose parent would let you say some shit like that? And then look at us. And we sit there. We, we sit here now and we say worse things than they did. Well, maybe not worse things, but it's, it's like, up there. And so I think that, that that Walter Maddow, Bad News Bears, is number four in my book. Oh man! So I had to look up a list of baseball movies because yeah, because you put me on the spot I know, here. That's why I kept talking because I knew that you were trying to. So I think my number four, and I'm not basing this off of uh, no, no, this anything personal. other than other yeah. than personal enjoyment. Personally, yeah, because most people wouldn't yeah. have Angels in the Outfield this high. Right. Most people wouldn't, but we grew up in that era. Right. And this is another one in that same same lane. It. Rookie of the year. Dude, I love rookie of the year. It's rookie of the much, year. It's not in my top five, but I love rookie of the year just because of the tradition that comes with it. And <laughs> I love that they 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 take the Chicago Bears tradition. Of Cubs. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Chicago Cubs tradition of throwing it back, and whenever he does it, it hits the catcher in the glove, and he goes, "Holy shit!" And. and he goes to tag him and he slides. He's safe, you know. Like it's so funny because it, like, it, like that that movie and it, it, it does a play on the Wizard of Oz uh-huh. in that movie, and and it's got one of the like first jokes that that just flew right by me as a kid, and I thought about it later and was like, holy crap! Which one? 
Did he just say funky butt loving? Yeah, dude. And I love every time, every time that someone, if I look at someone and I can't remember their name, but we're like, we, we have that comfortable relationship. I'll look at him and I'll call him Rosenbagger. You know, like just because he, he goes, did he call me the right name? You know, it's just so funny. Yeah. So Rookie of the Year is not going to make my top five, but it definitely one of those movies I grew up loving as a kid. Yes, so definitely. Yes, rookie of the year is solid. Definitely, definitely, definitely. My number three movie, League of Their Own. League of Their Own, man. It's so good. Get any so it, it, good. It, 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 it's hard to get much better than that. Avoid the clap, Jimmy Dugan. That's good advice. Just, just, just okay. You're still missing the cutoff, man. Yeah, now that's something, something you I want you to work on. <laughs> Before next season. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Mr. D- and he like holds his hand up and he's just like, Has anybody ever told you you look, look like a penis, penis with that hat on? Because <laughs> what's wrong, Jimmy? She's crying, sir. <laughs> like There's no crying in baseball. I'm you, that is like a, that, iconic. That might iconic. be the most iconic scene in baseball history. Like I don't, or like baseball movie history. I don't, I don't like I don't know any other line in any movie that, uh, like any other baseball line that people would know above that one. Yeah. So a league of their own, right up there. Love that movie. Ah oh, man, now ah oh, man. So that's that's my number three, and I think I might have to change my number five because I'm sitting here thinking about it. Yeah, me too. Okay. I think so. my number five. Okay, okay. Here's here's my redone list. My number my number five is Bad News Bears. Okay. My number four is The Natural. Okay. The Natural. For the longest time, whenever I was pick me out a winner, Bobby. Oh, 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 love. Oh man, I know I sounded like I came there, but it's just I'm telling you, I love that movie. That was like one of my first movies that I ever watched with my father. You know, like it's it's like that uh, Walter Hobbs and breaking the clock and all that stuff so number four would have to be the natural number three would still be a league of their own so okay um that's 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 it right there i'm not gonna make any more changes so what would your number three be my number three and i'm not gonna change my list but i i am gonna add some honorable mentions but i'm an honorable man my number three I mean, oh man. Oh, dude. Uh, I keep changing it too. My number three has to be. It has to be. Um, I just saw it here. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on a minute. Wait a minute. I'm almost there. Um, yeah, my number three has to be Major League. Okay. Okay. It has to be Major okay. League. Okay. Uh, dude. Okay. What are we? Just, just spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. My number two is Major League. Okay. So we can sit here and we can just go ahead and just yeah. quote all the Major League lines. Yeah. I love the lines. Say from, we win the whole fucking thing. Oh, dude. Tony Romo shared a video of that scene where he's like, well, I guess there's only one thing left to do. Win the whole fucking thing. Like, Tony Romo shared that whenever he was still playing for the Dallas Cowboys. Wow. And everyone had counted the Cowboys out of it. Like, Tony Romo goes, well, 
if you don't think we're gonna do it, I've got one message to you. And then he posted that video on his Twitter account where he goes, win the whole fucking thing. And it's just like, you wanna talk about an iconic movie. Up your butt, Joe Boo. You know, like, like I still say that all the time. <laughs> whenever he's sitting there, uh, whenever the Allstate guy is sitting there like, like, wrenching on the bat and the fly is flying around and he just catches the fly right next to his ear uh it's just uh, yeah what's what's his name um serrano yeah 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 yes yeah. pedro serrano i yeah. say fuck you joe boo i do it myself watch him hit a fastball god <laughs> like man this guy hits a ton how come nobody knows about, about all right, all right. switch to uh, go to the breaking stuff throw some breaking balls <laughs> Oh, okay. Right. He goes, it says here I don't. It says here in my contract I don't have to worry about doing any calisthenics I feel are necessary. What do you say about that? He drops it on the ground and pisses on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, so um, I uh, watch. I watch the way that I treat Slapshot. Like I watch <laughs> Slapshot before the beginning of every Star season. I will watch Major League before the beginning of every Ranger season. So that's what I'm doing tomorrow. Yeah. Is I will watch Major League. It's just the way that it is. And people are like, well, how come it's not your number one? For a long time, it was. For the for a long time, Major League was my number one baseball movie. And it took me growing up a lot for me to be able... Oh, man. UCLA. A number 11 seed made the Final Four. Crazy. That is fucking insane. John Wooden is very happy right now. So... But yeah, it, for the longest time, Major League was my number one, and we'll get to my number two, in, or my number one in a second. But yeah, so what would you say is your number well, two? Well, I think I think my favorite moment from uh, <clears throat> from Major League is it's just a little moment, but when. Uh, Oh, I'm I'm just pointing. I'm calling my shot. And, oh, oh, and I bunting. That. That's bunts. Oh, that's, that's great. Brilliant, man. But no, my favorite, uh, my favorite moment. It's this little moment, but uh, like it. When I was first watching this game, obviously, or watching this movie, it was on TBS, so I was like, you know, all the censored version and everything. But I loved the moment where Wesley Snipes or Willie Mays Hayes is on first base, and. Uh, the first baseman goes, you going somewhere, meet? And he just tells him, he goes, about 90 feet. About 90 feet. And oh. then, pew, and you couldn't do anything about it. Like, that That helped me set my mentality. It's like, dude, all right. Like, it, it, I want to be so good at this that it doesn't matter if I tell you what's coming. Uh, you know what's so great about that, too, is that I love whenever Charlie Sheen comes out on that last game and everyone's singing wild thing and they're dancing on the Yankees dugout and stuff like that. Uh -huh. He comes out and the manager gives him the ball and walks away. Um, the catcher, what's his name? What's, uh, the, I don't, what's his name in that movie? I don't remember. I don't remember yeah. either. But he looks at Charlie Sheen and goes, this guy's the one out that you've waited your whole life for. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, and then, then Roger Dorn comes yes, over. And he goes, strike this motherfucker out. And then he like he walks away and Charlie Sheen is standing there and he's he does like this is what I love about this movie. He, he does the thing where pitchers do to raise the laces mm -hmm. even though he's acting and he he's facing the outfield and the guy comes up and he goes now batting whoever it is the guy the, the Yankee killer whoever it is and as soon as he says it Charlie Sheen takes the ball 
throws it in his glove and turns around and he's like, I'm fucking ready for you. Like, it's, it's a comedy movie, but it really is one of those one of those moments where if you break it down and you look at it, it's just like, oh, like everything about it is just so beautiful. Considering how long it's been since the Yankees have even won anything. That was the... You mean the Indians? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The yes, the, the <laughs> Cleveland Indians have won anything. Yeah, you know, it's even still to this day. And and that movie came out 32 years ago. Well, even if you watch Major League Two, they made the World Series, but then ended up losing to the White Sox. Yeah, in the fucking World Series. So even still, it was still so realistic. They made the World Series and then lost in true Cleveland Indian fashion. So. Yes. What's your number two? My number two is A League of Their Own. Okay, so dude, I'm telling you, leave their own solid fucking choice. And let's just, go ahead and just say what it is. What's your number one? Bull fucking Durham. Yes, sir. Bull yes, Durham, sir. I was I about to say, when you said your number one changed, I was like, I bet it's because you watched my number one. Oh, <laughs> I'm telling you, I love Bull Durham so much. It's I wish so I, good. It, like, I wish that the Sandlot could have made my list. I really, but I can't put Sandlot over Bad News Bears. I just cannot do it because of just what Bad News Bears has meant to not just baseball, but just cinema as a whole. Yeah. And that's the whole thing. But Bull Durham, like, you even talked to my dad. My dad has even said that, like, he spent his time with a single A baseball team and, and he hung out in their dugout whenever he was a and much it's, younger man it's That's exactly what it's like perfect it's That's it's exactly, exactly what, it's like. what it's like like i have a i have a book on my shelf called the bullpen gospels by dirk hayhurst and he is a uh, in the book he's talking about his time in the minor leagues and he was almost out and and everything and like reading this book it really re- like it just really reminded me and just really like settled in just how perfect of a picture bull durham is of minor league baseball it is it's hard to explain if you've never if you've never actually spent any time around a minor league team uh, I, I had the opportunity of spending a week in uh, in michigan with my baseball mentor when he was coaching for the west michigan whitecaps in 2007 and i spent a week with them and you know i was in the dugout i was on the field during workouts and stuff and my god it was bull durham it was that movie like it really it was that movie and it's that's that's why it's my number one it just throws me a fastball i'm taking him downtown and then he does it he's running (laughs) he's running down the first baseline going like that and then they do the wave they go (laughs) (laughs) what hand did you touch me with was your left or your right? It was my left. You don't ever hit a drunk with your punch or with, with your, your pitching hand. I can't keep giving you these free lessons. <laughs> and uh, um, oh man, the frankly sports fans he used a phrase that was a no-no with umpires. I bet he called him a cocksucker. <laughs> How romantic! <laughs> pretty please, I'm begging you. Pretty please. Call me a cocksucker. I said it was a cocksucking call. I didn't call you a cocksucker. I'm begging you. You're a cocksucker. You're out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and see, you know what I love? I like, like, uh, like in that movie, a a, a scene that needs no dialogue is the moment where, (laughs) where uh, Crash Davis ends up getting him a rain day. 
Yep. He goes, oh my god, we got ourselves a monsoon on our hands. And he's walking down the first baseline. Oh, no, no, no. The second, I guess technically, he's walking down from first to second base with his hands in his pockets while the sprinklers are going off. Then he takes off running and then slides and then everyone follows him. Like, it's just, th that moment right there is just so beautiful because it's like, those are grown this, men a type children. Of, and this is the type of moment where a team comes together yes, and becomes a team. Yes, it is, because they were in the middle of a huge losing streak right mm -hmm. then. It's a, mm -hmm. and, and what do you not do with a streak? You don't, you don't fuck, fuck with, with a streak. streak. You do not do it. And and it's it's so perfect, too, because Crash Davis does it in such a way, too, is that he ends up getting with Susan Sarandon there at the end. But, he, but it's not like he's doing it in a malicious way. He tells Tim Robbins, he goes, look, you don't fuck with a streak. If, it, if not sleeping with her is really working, then you do that keep not sleeping with her and she understands that in the end and mm -hmm. it just it just goes to show you like everything in a world right now where we're more divided than anyone has ever probably been according to some um you look at baseball or you look at sports and we all look at it and say this can all bring us together whether you're left right somewhere in the between or whatever you look at that and everyone goes you don't fuck with a streak like, right. You're absolutely right. Like right. you don't fuck with the streak. Keep doing what works, whether you're playing on the team or not. Like you, you like you know that if you're if you cross your feet, and they get a bad hit, uncross your feet. You know, like it's just or like if if they score a goal while your feet are crossed, you uncross your feet, and it's like okay, that was bad news. Like you did like just keep doing what works. Right. And it's like it's it it perfectly just in, like grabs hold of what sports is for all of us. Right. Yeah, it's like the the 100 different superstitions I had about baseball. Like <laughs> You even asked me no, during the like Rangers. The Rangers yeah. Whenever it was game seven in the 2011 World Series. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, everyone tell me their superstitions. Put dirt in your pocket. And yeah, if I said, it doesn't work, put the dirt on the floor in the ninth inning. Yeah. I said, I said, uh, well, because what I what always happened for me is I would have my batting gloves when I was in the field. I would have my batting gloves in my right pocket. Right. And, uh, <clears throat> That meant that whenever I would pull my batting gloves out, my right pocket would turn inside out. So if there was any occasion for dirt to get into my pocket, it always got in my left pocket. So I told you, put dirt in your left pocket. And what I always did in the like in the last inning of the game was, you know, if we're winning, I don't change anything. But if we're losing, I'm like, well, get the dirt out of my pocket, you know, and that was there was one time it happened and i got up to bat with both pockets turned out and uh you know crushed a triple <laughs> like so i was like okay well this is a thing now so and then there was another one where i uh, had i bit my glove For, before every pitch i would bite the webbing of my glove and it's because one time and this is this is what they talk about, like highlighting just how perfect of a baseball movie Bull Durham really is. But there was one time, one time that I made a legit flat out diving catch in the outfield one time. And because uh, I'm slow, <laughs> I could have got if I was faster, I could have gotten there. But I'm slow. So I had to dive. Uh, but what happened was. <clears throat> I was in the outfield, and before, right before the pitch, I was trying to adjust my glove on my hand, but I was also trying to stuff my 
batting gloves into my right pocket so i bit my glove to adjust it well the guy hits the ball so i just drop my batting gloves and take off running and i make the dive and catch and i was like well i gotta bite this thing every time now it's the way it goes man. <laughs> it's the way it goes i am 0 for 16 a fucking goose egg nothing man that's not belief you know, like, uh, I'm telling you, like, yeah. everything yeah. about Bull Durham is just so great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's our record? 8-19. and 19. How'd we win eight games? It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Like, it's just... You lollygag into the infield. You lollygag down the base path. You know what that makes you? Lollygaggers. Lollygaggers. <laughs> 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 like, it really does remind me of Slapshot. Like, it just does. Like, it's just... It, 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 like, all those old movies... <coughs> old movies... They're really not that old. No. Like, all those old movies that were made beforehand, like, they, like everything... Like, they were able to, like, perfectly capture <clears throat> what it's like to be in that kind of environment because this yeah. was before cell phones and social media and like getting an inside look like, this is the first inside look that people would ever really get of a minor league sport yeah and everyone just kind of looked at that and went like yes this is real this is raw and you can you can make the argument that those kind of movies kind of sparked what social media eventually became like those movies changed everything it really did and so that's why that bull durham Slapshot, all of those movies are my number one movies <clears throat> It's just, it's just, yeah. it, you can't replace them. It's just great. Yeah. Uh, and a couple of things. My honorable mentions. Honorable. Un- honorable. I thought um, you were trying to say honorable. <clears throat> the Rookie. Yeah, The Rookie's good. Uh, yeah, yeah, Moneyball. Yeah, Moneyball's okay. Sandlot. Yeah, oh yeah, dude. The Sandlot's like my number six. Uh, Hardball. Yeah, Hardball's good. Hardball's sad. That movie is sad as fuck. Oh, yeah. But the uh, the honorable mention that almost made the love of the game almost made my list. No, I already did. I already say that. Mm-mm. No, for the love of the game was not a part of your list. Well, I mean, the movie is great. The natural also wasn't on my list. The natural was not on your list. That movie uh, is great. That almost made it, but yeah, I, I thought I already said uh, for love of the game. That so great. Uh, it's it's just uh, that's a good movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. There's just so many, so many good uh, sports movies out there, but there's not like a ton of good baseball movies. You know, I think there's more. I think there's more really good baseball movies than there are really in any other sport out there. I think that if you wanted like a solid group of movies dedicated to one sport i think baseball is like the number one sport for it i think the hardest movie to find for any sport is hockey yeah that's true i and then it's it's like baseball football basketball and hockey like that's like the that's like the ranking system in my mind because i mean you could just like there are so many great baseball movies there are so many great football movies basketball you kind of have to do a little bit of a digging and then Hockey, you really have to do digging. So baseball, you really can't go wrong <coughs> with really any of those movies. Oh, and there's just so much history about baseball, uh, or history, you know, yeah, of right, right. baseball. I mean, that the it's number sixty-one, like or like the movie sixty-one with the asterisks. Like that movie's great. Eight Men Out 
You want to talk about a fucking great movie? That's another one Eight that... Eight Men Out is fucking uh, phenomenal. Uh, like, I'm telling you, it's hard. Baseball is the hardest one. Yeah, I think... Oh, actually, you know what? I think you're right. Yeah. So, it's just one of those things. So, how's your bracket looking, buddy? Uh, Two out of four. Yeah, yeah. Two out of four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think both of us are two out of four, so... Yeah. Congratulations. Just real quick, I know that we're not going to dive too deep into this, but, dude, fucking good for Baylor. Baylor is exactly where they fucking should be whenever it comes to the March Madness bracket. And they've got, I think that they have a very tough test in Houston whenever it comes to their next matchup in the Final Four. But I do think that Houston is going to be one of those teams that I think looks better than where they, <clears throat> where they really stand. Because the, Houston gets me down. They, they didn't beat really anyone. They beat a lot of teams that uh, they beat a lot of teams that upset other teams, and I understand that. But it's just like th their path to the Final Four was not as strenuous as Baylor's was, and so I think Baylor's a little bit battle tested. And now with UCLA beating Michigan, it's going to be UConn or UConn. It's going to be uh, Gonzaga versus UCLA. And then Baylor versus Houston. It is setting up for that ultimate national championship that we did not get during the regular season. I'm telling you, if there is a God, he needs to allow for us to have a Baylor-Gonzaga national championship game in March Madness. Like, everything is setting up perfectly for it. Let's make it happen. Baylor versus Gonzaga in the national championship. I think that Gonzaga takes it, but it's going to be absolutely phenomenal to see Baylor playing for that because they deserve it. They really do. This is their first time being in the Final Four in 71 years. Good for Baylor. Not so good for the Big 12 because they had a good first round. Not so good second round. But uh, whenever you want to look at the teams in the Big 12 that have really withstood and been the elite of the elite, you had Texas Tech that was fighting it out there at the end that lost to Arkansas because they missed two final field goals. You had West Virginia that was still competing there at the end. You had Oklahoma State that was still competing at the end. Oklahoma put up a good fight against Gonzaga. Really, the only team that didn't play well is Texas. And I'm sorry, but I mean, like Shaka Smart, he's gone. They're, they're looking at a new team. I, like I know that you said that possibly Chris Beard was going to be a potential. I'm just I'm just I, going I, off. I, yeah, yeah, no. I, mean, I if I was Chris Beard, I wouldn't leave Texas <laughs> Tech. You've set this beautiful foundation for a Texas Tech basketball program that a lot of teams or a lot of players are going to look at and say, "I want to go play there." And I think that Texas is kind of playing catch up right now. I think that Texas had their year this year where it was, they were kind of the anomaly and was like whoa where did this team come from and now they're losing that coach that got them there so it's just if i was chris beard i would stay at tech but scott drew and uh the baylor bears right now very good position right now to be playing for the national championship next weekend really next monday but I like I think that they can do it. I think that they will beat the Houston Cougars. But if Houston does end up beating Baylor, that's and and Gonzaga ends up playing Houston in the national championship, that's still going to be a great national championship team. I think that or uh, national championship game. I think that this Houston team is better than the Five Slamma Jamma team that was really huge in the early '80s that they made that documentary about on ESPN. So, it, like, the way that Houston really attacks the offensive boards, like, it, like 
Oklahoma State had no answer for them on the offensive board. So th this Final Four game, Baylor and Houston, watch that game because it's going to be phenomenal. I think Baylor takes it, and I really do believe that we're going to have a Baylor-Gonzaga National Championship, and I am beyond excited about this because that's all I wanted in life. How shitty 2020 was and how shitty 2021 has been, we deserve this. We as college basketball fans deserve a Gonzaga-Baylor National Championship game because those are the two best teams in the nation. It is. We need to see it. Let's make it happen. Let's go Baylor. Yes, sir. So, right, so before we get out of here, do you have a guess on the trivia question? I'm going to say 1983. But what was the team? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just be honest here. Houston, the Houston Cougars made history by being the first team ever in March Madness to beat only double-digit seeds on their way to the Final Four. So, a little bit of a twist here. A little underwhelming, I guess. But they are the only team to ever do it. Oh, okay. So, it was Houston again. Houston. So, it's the five slam and jam no, team no, that you no, just... No, 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 The Houston team this year is the first team to ever do it. No one has ever done it. Ah, trick question. Yeah, trick question, but it's still fun. So Ew. there we go. We have all witnessed history here and that Houston, the Houston Cougars right now are the first team to ever beat uh, nothing but double-digit seeds on their way to the Final Four. So that's why I'm saying that Houston is the first team to ever not really be, t be tested whenever it comes to who they're playing. So is that going to be a good thing for Houston? Going against Baylor, who has played a lot of hard games, other than their first round matchup against North Dakota State. But, I mean, they played a very good Oklahoma team. They played a very, very good Florida State team in order to get to this point. So, it's one of those things that who knows where we're going to be once the Final Four games next weekend are all said and done. But I think that it means that. Baylor is more battle-tested, and I think that that's what's going to push them over the edge. And I think that Houston really hasn't been as battle-tested as Baylor has. So we'll see what happens because, I mean, that just might mean that they, they, they might have more in the tank than Baylor does, but I just I just don't see it happening because Jared Butler has still <coughs> yet to have a, uh, like a really standout game this college basketball March Madness tournament so far. So Yeah, was I wrong about Florida State? You were wrong about both teams. Baylor beat Hartford. Hartford, that's who it was. Then Wisconsin. Yep. Then Villanova. Ah, Villanova is who it was. Then Gonzaga beat Florida State and North Dakota State. Then Arkansas. Gonzaga has beaten Norfolk State. Uh, North Norfolk State, that's who it was. Oklahoma, yes. Creighton, and now USC. Oh, man, dude. I'm so off right now. <laughs> Florida State lost to ORU. Did they really? No, sorry. Florida no. Florida State lost to Colorado. And No. No, sorry. No, no. Florida State beat Colorado. You shut up. <laughs> Me shut up. You shut up. You shut up. You shut up. You don't you, know what you're talking you. about.
Thank <laughs> you.